Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is Friday. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I just took a toque off. My hair is all over the place, but uh, we will get by. Great to have you all with us. I am fired up, and I know the rest of this city and provinces is the Bombers are two days away from kicking off in the 108th Grey Cup and looking to bring back that trophy to the peg and keep it here for another 365 days. Welcome to the program, Andrew Patterson, along with Michael Remus. And we have an absolutely monster show today heading into the weekend and Grey Cup. Um, Farhan Lodge is going to join us from Hamilton. We'll check on, uh, in on with Farhan a little bit later on. Eddie Tate is going to join us in about 15 minutes from Blue Bombers practice. We're also going to tee up the game with uh, my guy, Dustin Nielsen, who'll be doing the national radio call for the game. And we're not forgetting about the Winnipeg Jets after a big win last night. Scott Billick is now in Vancouver after being in Seattle yesterday. We'll find out what Scotty's got going on heading into the game tonight, what he thought of Seattle, the new arena, and of course the Jets' big 3-0 win last night. Um, big thanks to all of our sponsors that make this program happen every day. F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, the Great Taste of Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our betting partner at Cool Bet Canada. If you have the opportunity to support our sponsors, please do. This show does not happen without their support. Um, so let's get right to it. we got to talk about last night's hockey game. And, of course, the anticipation continues to rise for kickoff on Sunday afternoon. Heard from a couple commissioners this morning as well. Randy Ambrosi with the State of the League. We'll talk about that with Farhan a little later on. And Gary Bettman <laughs> at the Board of Governors meetings um, providing social media with quite a bit of fodder with his comments about the Coyotes. We'll get to all of that as we get into the program. But right now, without further ado, let's welcome in the brains of the operation, the one, the only Michael Remus to the program. Remo, what's going on? How are you? I'm feeling great. It's a Friday, Grey Cup Friday. I mean, heading into the weekend, uh, we had a Jets win. That's great. And uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm having, having a good laugh at the Gary Bettman stuff. <laughs> like how much we want to touch on this. But, you know, I was really starting to like him around 2011. You know, the Jets came back. He actually got cheered at an MTS center. And then, you know, he's embracing the heel role. But, I mean, for him to go out and say there's nothing going on, there's nothing to see here while he's, like, standing in the burning building that is the Arizona Coyotes, um, it's insulting to everyone. Like, at one point, you know, they've gone through different owners, different arenas. The team hasn't been any good, which hasn't helped. At what point do they just throw his hands and be like, you know what, this isn't working, let's... Let's go. And you have to wonder like how much money they've lost or sorry, opportunity costs they've lost trying to make it work for so long when like here and for a while, you know, Quebec City, other cities, you know, who already support hockey would gladly take on the Coyotes and give them a home. Um, it's it's kind of sad at this point. Uh, sorry to get into this off the top after a big Jets win. It, yeah, it is a bit of a circus. The the quote, the money quote today from Bettman was, quote, it's clear that the city of Glendale has an edge or agenda in terms of how they're dealing with the Coyotes. Um, 
I went out for dinner last night and it was wonderful. And, um, you know, it turned sour though when my uh, server uh, apparently had an edge or an agenda at the end of our interaction when they expected me to pay for uh, what I'd just uh, eaten. Of course, I'm joking. I mean, but this the way the Coyotes have done business for a number of years has been a joke. Um, and, you know, under the current ownership in particular, there's been plenty of reports of the way they've been squeezing, they've been laid on payments to employees, uh, suppliers. I mean, it's a joke, uh, and it's embarrassing to the National Hockey League. And, you know, if I'm Gary Bettman in this case, maybe I just don't say much. Maybe I say we're looking to resolve everything and move forward. Um, but to throw shade at the city of Glendale, which has basically bankrolled that team for so long to the detriment of many other things in their constituency, um, I think probably left a bad taste in their mouth. But anyways, who cares about the Coyotes? Not us. We care about the Bombers. And that big Jets win. And we will be getting to a ton of bomber content. And I think what we're going to do, Remo, um, tomorrow morning, the Illegal Curve guys will go on the air uh, with their weekly show on YouTube. And people will be getting the latest on the Jets. They'll have lots to talk about coming off of these back-to-back games in Seattle and Vancouver. And I think what we might do for people that maybe miss some of the programs or maybe just want a bit of a crash course on the Grey Cup is put together a little WST special with uh, a bunch of our Grey Cup content for a couple hours to uh, get people ready for the big game. So, um, you know, we'll tweet that out, but I think the plan is we'll put that together, we'll fire it up after Illegal Curve today. So as soon as Drew, Ezzy, and Dave finish up, we'll have that live for you with the premiere, and uh, you can consume that if you've missed any of the shows or any of the Grey Cup interviews all week at any point before kickoff when the Bombers and Tiger Cats uh, resume they're, uh, I guess, could we call this a rivalry? I guess they've only played once, but um, when their previous game was, of course, in the Grey Cup, their last game was the season opener, which had so much fanfare. Um, certainly, they may not be frequent rivals, but, um, well, they're going to be renewing acquaintances with so much on the line on uh, on Sunday. So uh, it should be a great weekend. And now uh, with the busy week that we've had on Winnipeg Sports Talk, figure it's another good chance to uh, maybe package this up and uh, give some good Grey Cup content for people if they haven't checked it out. Yeah, I'm in the middle of uh, cutting all that right now. So I just got to, you know, arrange the clips, put them together, and we'll be good to go. But yeah, on our YouTube channel uh, tomorrow, but 11 a.m., I'll, I'll publish it for us. So that's Patrolman Pete, the Grey Cup Super Show. Yeah, it's a great call, name for that, Pete. I called it the I think mega preview is what I made the uh, the YouTube <laughs> thumbnail. I wrote me, mega preview. So is that yeah. is that a, is there good SEO value on that on mega? If you put mega in sure. something like uh, <laughs> I guess we'll find out. I guess we'll find out tomorrow. Um, uh, but yeah, we do have a ton of going on for a great cup today. So Ed Tate in just a few minutes, Farhan Lalji as well, Dustin Nielsen, and then Scott Billick on the Jets and the big game tonight against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, the Bombers are going to dominate this program. We will have Billick join us a little later on, but Remo, let's get right to it. Um, the Connor and Connor show last night in Seattle, the birthday boy, Kyle Connor with a couple goals in the third period. Um, but for my money, the man last night was Connor Hellebuck, who um, got his first shutout of the year. You know, he's played so well. It was almost a bit of a surprise. Like, Wait a second. That's his first shutout of the season? Uh, but in fact, it was very important performance. And man, was he fired up after the game. You saw the big fist pump when the uh, clock finally went to zero. And a pretty excited Jet goaltender speaking afterwards uh, asked about 
career shutout number 25. He said it was great. I can't wait for 26. He's looking forward, but it won't be Connor Hellebuck in the net tonight. The long-awaited return of Eric Comrie, who I think, if I'm right, hasn't started since the last time this team was in Vancouver last month. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it was 25. It was, uh, what, Hellebuck's 25th shutout made 25 saves. Kyle Connor's 25th birthday. And he scored two goals. Did you know he's played three times now on his birthday? He scored every time. He's got four goals on three birthday games. That was the uh, hot stat last night if you're watching on the broadcast. Um, well done for the Jets. I mean, the penalty kill. Is the penalty kill fixed now? They went five for five. Uh, I know it's against Seattle uh, expansion Kraken. Hey, uh, we'll take it. Yeah, we'll, but, Absolutely. I mean, results-based business. The results were good. Uh, and I thought the penalty kill was a lot better. I thought it was more aggressive. Uh, and I thought, first and foremost, and Maurice talked about this going into the game, I mean, they when they had the puck on their stick, they got it out of the zone. I mean, that was one of the most frustrating things, I think, for all parties involved in the Carolina game. Uh, and maybe it was the you know partly with guys in different positions or playing on the wrong side, but you had some pucks that needed to be cleared out that simply weren't got back onto the stick of the Carolina Hurricanes and the next thing you know more shots more issues in front of the net and uh, at times more goals hey shout out to everybody in chat everyone is fired up for the weekend oh DQ Nick's here Nick what's up our friends at DQ you want to get ready for Grey Cup you want to step up your Grey Cup party hit Nick and the gang up for uh, some Blue Bomber special Grey Cup ice cream cakes. DQ Manitoba on Instagram. We'll plug that a little later on. But once we see Nick in the chat, we got to give him an official welcome as well as everybody else. Oh, do you want to uh, shout out to Hockey Guy Jeff as well as Kevin, who won our moose tickets from yesterday. I believe Kevin's going to the game tonight. Jeff's going with his gang tomorrow. Uh, big weekend for the Moose. Holiday festivities tonight. Teddy bear toss tomorrow. Moosehockey.com for more information on all of that. But uh, yes, Remus, back to the penalty kill. Certainly was better last night. I'll say one thing, though, that was a little disappointing. When your power play or when your penalty kill is struggling the way that it has been, I think it is incumbent on the Winnipeg Jets to be more disciplined with taking penalties. And listen, I hated Adam Lowry's penalty early on with getting the stick out. I mean, it's a no-win situation when you do that. Um, Blake Wheeler as well. And Nikolai Ehlers, uh, with, it's just a bit of a brain fart. I mean, I know he was battling that guy and he kind of got a hold on his stick. But I mean, if you basically stick your arm around a defenseman's stick for 10 seconds plus, you're going to get called each and every time. So I will say that I think a number of the penalty kills were unnecessary for the Winnipeg Jets. But the bottom line is you're going to be killing penalties at times. They did it five times last night and they had a clean sheet led by the best penalty killer on the ice, the guy with the goalie mask and number 37 on his back. Yeah, and uh, I got to say, Mason Appleton was making his presence. He should have had a couple last night. Someone was asking about the high-danger chances at 5-on-5. Five five. I mean, the Kraken actually uh, outchanced the Jets, 7-5 high-danger. Um, but I think the Jets, you know, I think the game was in their control. I mean, they're only up one nothing for most of it. Broke it open in the third period. Um, Kyle Connor, I mean, Marat basically uh, trashed their line yesterday. Connor Shafley Wheeler, but I mean, they keep they have that finishing. Um, Kyle Connor in close. Kyle Connor from far away. This guy can score anywhere, and what a performance it was for him. But I think you know maybe you'd like to see that line get a bit up there in terms of uh, the Corsi four percentage. But even when they're not, I mean, you look at the Calgary game in this this game. These guys are scoring the Connor Shafley Wheeler line. So. 
Well, um, they are. I'll, I'll yeah. say this about that line last night, and I think pretty much all the Jet lines, you know, if you want to just worry about a single-game Corsi numbers, they were all pretty good. Um, but in the second period in particular, I thought that there was a bit of a wilt from the Jets. or I just they got into a bit of a lull. And there was a couple plays, and in particular one where, and I, you know, Josh Morrissey when made it a little bit of an aggressive play on the blue line, leaving Nate Schmidt back as the lone defenseman. And I'm not sure whether Blake Wheeler just sort of took the foot off the gas or was unaware of where Yanni Gord was, um, but an absolutely beautiful two-on-one opportunity to Gord all alone in front of the net. And Connor Hellebuck bailed them out. And listen, if that play goes in, uh, and it's all of a sudden a tie game, this conversation could be very different today. Because, I mean, unfortunately, in a 60-minute game, we'll focus on the goals and some of the big plays. But, you know, when you are losing your men, just your simple assignments, um, you know, that's how the breakdowns happen and that how the that's how the puck ends up in the back of your net, even with a goaltender playing as good as Connor Hellebuck is right now. So the one thing I'd like to see from that line, I mean, when they've got the puck in in, in the off offensive zone, they're going to do what they do. And, you know, Connor, Kyle Connor leading the way right now, Mark Shifley, as well as Blake Wheeler, very competent in the offensive zone. Um, but something that I think Murat has been talking about, and many of us over the course of the, the, the last couple of years, has been if those guys are going to be playing the big minutes as the number one line on the Winnipeg Jets team, they have to pay more attention to the details, uh, the assignments, and what they need to do defensively. And um, you know, listen, there's a couple spots in that second period where it wasn't good, and Connor Hellebuck bailed them out. Um, got them to the intermission, and then Kyle Connor took over in the third period. So uh, overall, I'm not going to sit here and complain about a three nothing shutout win. Very important game for the Jets to get two points. Uh, maybe I, I likened it with Kenny last night. I filled in for Rennie on the Kenny and Rennie post game show late night. Uh, you can check that out after WST or maybe before the game tonight if you missed it. But I likened the Tuesday game to the aftermath of a party. And it is somewhat ironic, Remus, because the Jets, of course, did have a big party after the Sunday win, celebrating Blake Wheeler's 1,000th game. Um, but that game for the Jets was sort of a mess. Um, and then you have created a big mess. Last night's game was the cleanup. I think they managed to you know, clean up most of uh, what was uh, wrong from the Tuesday night event. And then tonight is the opportunity to pull out the Febreze, the air freshener, and completely erase any stench or uh, aftermath of what happened on Tuesday. And if the Jets can pull these two wins off, um, you know, I think you look at four wins in the last five games, three days off before a big week at home beginning the Buffalo Sabres, and it's great. But if they don't win this game tonight, and it is a difficult spot, it is the second end of back-to-back -back nights. We know what the numbers will tell us about that. you got your backup goaltender in there. Um, you know, again, you know, you're still kind of making up for lost ground. But um, I think the Jets probably feel like they owe the Vancouver Canucks one for the way they lost in regulation a few weeks ago in Eric Comrie's last start. Again, it was the penalty kill and some dumb penalties that really cost the Winnipeg Jets in that game. Um, you'd really hope that the Jets can kind of continue doing what they did, especially in the third period. I thought that was their best period last night. Hopefully that can carry over because they're going up against a Vancouver team that's got a little bit of swag right now with Bruce Boudreaux on the bench after the house cleaning earlier this year, earlier this week and two straight wins to start uh, smiling Bruce's time on the Canuck bench. 
Yeah, Eric Comrie in net. I know a lot of people worried about him to start the year. What is he? Three and two, two forty nine goals against, nine one three save percentage. So I think it's uh, going well uh, for him to start the season. And yeah, I do think they want revenge against Vancouver. That was a uh, that was a tough one. Um, they lost before. I think they'll be ready. I'm not here for any back to back excuses. Uh, from the Jets, I think this is one you got to get. It's a thirty-minute flight. There's probably bus rides to hotels that take longer <laughs> than the uh, than the flight that they would have taken after last night's game. So, yeah, Mike we'll, McIntyre said yeah. that the uh, the uh, when he, they were taking the flight, they said, "Yeah, it's a thirty-four-minute flight, and we'll get up to an altitude of fifteen thousand feet." And he's like, "Are we going in a helicopter?" I mean, you, usually in planes you're going, but I'm literally up and down. Keep the seatbelt on the entire way. A very short trip right now for the Winnipeg Jets, and right back at it. And again. Then a weekend off, a day of practice on Monday, and the Buffalo Sabres coming into town on a Tuesday. Two more days off, and then the Washington Capitals on Friday. So leave it all out on the ice tonight. The guys will have time for rest. They'll have time for recuperation. They might even have time for a couple legitimate practices on home ice. Um, but you know, certainly the atmosphere around the team, I think, will be much better if they can pull off the double after a very important win last night in the first one of those back-to-backs. Yeah, I'm excited for this, uh, you know, going forward and as far as the NHL goes, the Seattle-Vancouver road swing. I'm going to have to make my way out. Oh, it was pretty cool to see, you know, the get a look at the Kraken Arena. I enjoyed it on the broadcast. They talked about Dennis uh, Bay Act history in Seattle with the Thunderbirds. Oh, that was a great segment with Dennis. I, I, lo- I love those old pictures. Um, Brendan Dillon, captain of the Thunderbirds. So, I mean, Seattle's a, a market that's got ties to hockey going back a long time, and they seem to be very excited uh, in Seattle. Marat was saying yesterday. So, again, I'm my I'm kind of biased. My baseball team is uh, the Mariners, sadly, but uh, <laughs> I'll have to go check out. Uh, Check out a Kraken game and do the, I think the Canucks Kraken road trip. That's like the new one. It used to be, you know, you yeah. could go to like the New Yorks or the Florida, you know, Tampa, Florida. But I think if you want to go on a calendar, um, maybe even if you can take a quick flight to uh, Vegas or, or something like that. But uh, it's very exciting. Uh, well, I think, and speaking have, of yeah. the West Coast dream, this is officially the final. I see Kenny brought, Kenny's water bottle pointing mm-hmm. this out, but uh, this is the final game in the Pacific time zone for the Winnipeg Jets this regular season. So uh, I think we can maybe successfully institute the time zone ban after today going forward. We heard Paul Maurice yesterday on this CGOB pregame show saying the West Coast games in the Pacific time zone far more challenging than the Eastern time zone. So um, you know what? We'll see if they can persevere through the fact that they're two hours different from Winnipeg after that win last night, get it done. And we will only be talking about mountain time zone and Eastern time zone, as opposed to good old home, sweet home in the Mm. central division, in the central time zone, which by the way, for sports fans, I think we can all agree is the most elite time zone to live in. If you are following North American sports, elite elite time zone. I do like the 9 PM starts. It's nice. Like when it's on a Saturday or something and, um, you know, you can stay up late and watch the game. So I'm kind of saddened that, uh, I'm kind of sad that we're not going to have any more late ones. I did enjoy watching you and Kenny and Rennie until like one. What, that was 1:30. a late shift. You know, we love Ken and Ken's so good to us. I wasn't about to say no to him, but um, I had a, some early tapings this morning uh, and I was drinking a whole bunch of Diet Pepsi just to stay up because I was, was actually quite t- tired. I made a point of not 
going out last night. I was very responsible. I watched the Vikings game, which of course was over at 29 nothing. I got to turn over to the hockey game, then saw the near meltdown by Minnesota <laughs> via Twitter um, and watched the hockey game and got at it. But uh, we will talk a little bit more on the Jets coming up, I'd say uh, about an hour from now. But over the course of this next hour, we're going to dive in headfirst to the upcoming Grey Cup. We hope to have Ed Tate join us in just a few minutes. Uh, but I want to give a big shout out to our newest sponsor, F Apparel. The uh, kings of custom suits and more for men. Winnipeg owned at 190 Smith Street downtown. Now, uh, I think you all know, I mean, we haven't been wearing suits very much through the course of the pandemic. But good news that uh, 2022, we should be getting more back to normal. And every guy needs a suit that both fits and looks great. And F Apparel can get one for you with their incredible full line of custom clothing starting at just $400. They're also the top to choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. If you're planning for that for the upcoming year, give them a buzz. And if you have a big event, you need to look great. F is there for you. And wedding parties get 15% off when the group buys their suits from us. Special promo online Gift cards, 15% off up until Christmas at fapparel.ca. So, uh, you know, get on that. A $200 gift card ends up being 170 bucks. Great deal, great people, and an incredible product over at F Apparel. Uh, just before the show, I did pop into Vita Health to pick up a few things. Man, that grab-and-go market is amazing. The salads are so good, and the options of sandwiches and wraps um, from a few of the top kitchens in town um, just amazing selections, uh, but there's much more than just a great grab-and-go deli. It's the best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices with an amazing staff that will help you get the right products for you. Of course, Vita Health, 85 years empowering people to lead healthy lives here in Winnipeg, family-owned since 1936. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. Check them out online at myvita. .ca. And while we're eating right and filling our bodies with all the good stuff and Vita Health, you can't start it off without getting your water in. And when it comes to water and water services in Winnipeg, the Culligan people have been uh, the go-to folks for 65 years. Everything when it comes to it. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide delivery services. And with all the holiday hosting going on right now, a Culligan water softener will sure help cut down on those hard water stains for sparkling clean sinks, tubs, showers, not to mention glasses and dishes for a holiday sparkle even your mother-in-law will love. Uh, special for the month of December, enjoy Culligan water for $9.99 for the first three months or you can give the gift of Culligan water for $9.99 for the first three months give them a call 694-5180 or check them out online at drinkculligan.com it's the Culligan man over at 1200 Sergeant Avenue and uh, telling your friends at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you all right we'll have a little more on the Jets later on in the program and of course we will have a big marble race today to finish it up, but uh, it's all about the Grey Cup today here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. We've had a pretty good run talking to Ed Tate heading into games on Friday, so I certainly didn't want to screw it up, and uh, Eddie has been so kind to join us from Hamilton right now where the Bombers are on the field practicing. Edward, thanks so much for making the time for us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? I'm great, Huss. We just got here. I'm at, at McMaster University staring at the uh, out from an empty press box as the Bombers are just 
about to start practice. So we were scrambling to get over here. The Great Cup week so weird for timing and everything. Uh, a bunch of players were doing media at Tim Hortons, but because the team is practicing at McMaster's, McMaster, we had to hustle over here to, for this. So I'm glad to join you. Right, we've got a good run going here. And we certainly do, and hopefully that will continue on the weekend. Hey, listen, before we get to you know the game itself, um, tell it what's the, what have the last couple of days been like? I mean, we'll talk about the team itself, but I mean, you've been to many of these events. Um, you know, we knew this would be scaled down a little bit. The stadium won't be as big as normal, but um, does it feel like Great Cup week? Well, a couple of things that I'm not going to be very good to answer that has. First of all. The team staying in Burlington, which seems like a different time zone away sometimes with the amount of traffic we've had to sit through. And I'm still officially in Tier 1, which means we're not supposed to be out and about gall gallivanting around too much. So I, I wish I could give you a sense of the Great Cup spirit or vibe, uh, but I haven't been. we haven't been downtown Hamilton other than to come downtown for, for the media and stuff. But one thing I'll say is... Uh, it seems a little bit muted. You know, you don't see banners everywhere. And usually by the Thursday of Grey Cup, you see uh, crowds and crowds of other fans walking around, going from party to party in, in their jerseys. Um, we haven't seen a whole lot of that, although I, I'm, I haven't been outside at night here yet. We're, again, we're in a – Burlington seems like a, a long way from here, but uh, – that's the way it should be, whatever it takes to play this great cup after missing one, right? Well, exactly. And of course, for the Blue Bombers, it's all business. They'll have plenty of time to, in your words, gallivant, hopefully with another ring on their finger uh, coming up next week. Um, fill us in on the last couple of days for the team. I mean, uh, we know they've been practicing at McMaster, but it is great cup week. It's a little different. There's been a lot of media. Fill us in on sort of what the team's been up to since they got to Hamilton in preparation for the Ticats. Yeah, so it's a little bit different because... It's a home great cup for the Tiger Cats, right? And a lot of people have been saying, well, why are the Bombers not practicing on Tim Horton's field since you're going to play there? Well, look, it, again, it's great cup week. And when you're playing in someone's backyard, they're worried about prying eyes. That's just, that's gamesmanship, right? If you're the, if someone was playing the Bombers in the great cup and it was at IG field, you know, we'd be pretty naive to think that there wasn't somebody somewhere spying or watching the practice, right? So that's why they're out here uh, practicing at McMaster. Everything about, you know, players are so big on routine huss, as you know. Everything about it is is different at this because it's, uh, it's a longer road trip. It's, uh, you know, um, all the extra media attention, um, all the other, uh, you know, requirements for teams and coaches and extra interviews they have to do sit downs with the state the rights holders it's it's way way different than the normal so it's that's why i think it's important for teams who have been here before both winnipeg and hamilton to because they've lived this lived through this once before now most of the players there's not a lot of rookies on either team so i'll tell you what though is yesterday was fun um they have a media day similar to the a scaled down version of what they do at the in the nfl where a player has a booth and everybody can go talk to them but they split it up into two groups and they had us in this kind of holding area and they had the tabletop hockey game. They had the, um, the beanbag toss thing and guys are just chilling. This is a very relaxed team. They had the music going, guys are dancing on, on the elevator. Um, I've never seen a team this cool. I'm not going to say relaxed. They're just they're enjoying the moment and it's, it's kind of interesting to see. 
How much do you think that has to do with winning in 2019? I mean, the, the, the situation's very different going into this game than it was carrying a 29-year anvil on their back going into that game. I mean, you were there with both. I mean, how would you characterize the, the difference in the attitude? Of, I, would, I don't want to say focus because I imagine their focus is still all about winning a football game. But, um, you know, just the, just the attitude and maybe the comfort of the situation this year as opposed to two years ago in Calgary. That's an excellent point. I think the right word is comfort because not everybody had lived that 29-year drought or a lot of players had no concept of it other than to have media guys bringing it up occasionally. But it's not there anymore. It's not there for guys. The pressure isn't there on the coaching staff. I mean, they want to win, of course, but that was a whole extra layer of pressure and um, expectation and, and the fear of letting people down again and having the drought extend into three decades would have been, you know, nightmarish for them. So they don't have that anymore. Um, but I've been saying this all year long with you, Huss, ab about this team. It's, I can't quite describe it in a sentence, but there's just something about them. And it, it's not cockiness. It's, it's a confidence. And they expect to win. And their preparation, everything around it might look different this week because of the uh, – the difference in the protocols and the differences in the routine, but this team just says, okay, if we got to go there to do that interview, fine. If we got to go over there and we have to play tabletop hockey for an hour before it's my turn to speak to media, let's roll with it. And that's one thing that they've done very, very well. And uh, I think that is a bit of a byproduct of having been there before in 2019. Yeah, I, I, I don't doubt it at all. Um, uh, tell us about the media day. Who are the big stars of the show? I saw Willie Stunton at his booth. I mean, there was a lot. I'm sure there was a lot of people looking to talk to Mr. Jefferson. I mean, how did it go? And uh, it, it did seem, at least from what I saw via social media and some of the other media reports, that uh, you know the Bummers were having a lot of fun doing it and uh, are embracing their role as the defending champs and a team that uh, – a lot of people are expecting to go out and do it again on Sunday. I think Willie was one of the stars. I mean, he had the shades going through the whole session, right? And, uh, you know, you, you get the weird questions and stuff. Someone was telling me today there were a couple of guys from California that were up here. I don't know what outlet they were from or whatever, but they were talking to Willie. And one of the guys, this is, the, again, similar to the Super Bowl, you get the weird questions on a day like this. One of the guys, like, I mean, I'm just – Relaying the story, I wasn't there for this part. So one of the guys, I guess, is a bit bigger, and he asked Willie, uh, who do you think would win in a fight between you and me? Which is a great question, right? Like, you know. <laughs> and so I guess, uh, you know, Darren Cameron, the media guy, was telling me that he was just ready to jump in to end this. And uh, I guess Willie didn't miss a beat, and he said very quietly but calmly, I'd kick your ass. <laughs> so um, uh, he was one of the stars. Uh, you know, it was just a lot of fun. I, you know, the minute we got in there, they had all this food for guys in this holding area. And in the back of the room, I see that old tabletop hockey, you know, the, the plastic roof thing on it. And that's right in my wheelhouse. I was, I, I, we, I played the first game and I, I, we, my, I won, and then the second game I, I, I beat somebody again they had never played before. And somebody said, man, you're gifted at this. And I said, look, I'm old. I didn't have video games when I grew up. I just had that stupid Pong thing. This was my video game. I spent hours on this thing. You know what? I would have written a whole story about how good I was on that, but I, I'm not that uh, vain. Ed, you know what? It's funny you bring that up. Remus and I were down at Little Brown Jug for the fifth anniversary last week, and I couldn't help but notice they've got a Czechs bubble hockey game out there. So uh, 
when you get back and you've got a little bit of time on your hands, we'll go down there. We'll have a 1919 and we will get it on. I want a shot right. at the bell to the bomber office. Okay. I'm then sign me up. Plus, I'm into that. <laughs> Eddie Tate from bluebombers.com with us in Hamilton as the bombers get ready for practice. Uh, what can you tell us about the preparations over the last couple of days? Is it, I mean, it seems like everything under Mike O'Shea has been business as usual. I mean, practice, has there been anything different about the actual preparation practice wise on the field than anything you've seen for every game week this year? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think that again, because this team rolls with the punches so well, I haven't seen anything different. Um, one thing I'm noticing today, it's quite a bit warmer here in, in Hamilton today. So the first couple practices here, the field was covered in snow and now it's balmy. Like it's, I can see green grass on the campus here. There's still some leaves on the trees. And uh, so that's one difference. The guys, when we pulled up here were, Rashid Bailey was uh, beacon a little bit at Nick Taylor saying, oh, the field's clear. Uh, watch out. The offense is going to be all over the defense today at practice. So, again, it's the kind of stuff, we, you know, maybe it's because I'm on the inside a little bit now, just traveling with the team all the time. Uh, you can get a, a, a better picture of the vibe sometimes than other than just through a, a media availability. And this team is very, very relaxed. And, you know, maybe things will tighten up a bit tomorrow, the day before the game. But this is the last full practice of this season for the for the Bombers and for the Tiger Cats. And uh, if if you were to ask me to take a temperature, and and I would be much more worried if this team was tight and kind of snapping at each other and um, you know surly. It's the exact opposite, and I think that's a good sign. Well, for sure. And and to be honest, I think it it's earned. I mean, they have they they should be confident and they should feel confident in each other. Uh, and a big part of that comes back to just what you said. I mean, going at it against each other all season long. I mean, I think the offense has made the defense better, and the Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense in practice has certainly made the Bomber offense better. Um, I, I, tell us, take us behind the scenes. I mean, a lot of fans don't get a chance to see practice, and not necessarily today in the final practice, but overall, how would you how would you describe the? Uh, sort of internal rivalries between the offense and the defense when they do go up against each other in whatever drills they're doing over the course of a week. Oh, so, okay. You know, a practice takes, there's a, it's a couple hours long, right? So there's a certain period where they just kind of run around a little bit. And then there's individual period where they'll practice, you know, their own, the running backs are all together. The D line is all together and they're still working on their craft every day, whether it's a swim move for a defensive end or a running back running around bags to get used to the cuts. So they do all that kind of stuff. They're going, kind of going that through that right now. Then they kind of get a little bit more specific and will do a session like inside run where they, you know, Andrew Harris or Johnny Augustine or Brady Oliveras to run between the tackles, certain plays. And then at the end of practice, I'll tell you what, this is when it gets fun. They do 12 on 12, basically offense, number one offense versus number one defense. And there's been times this year where, the action in that has been better than some of the CFL games I've seen this year because it has been uh, it's best on best and there's a lot of best guys out there right there's a lot of all-stars on this team and that that is really fun but it it hones you right it's, it hardens you uh, offensively and defensively going against those guys all the time now there's no tackling right you're not going to see Willie Jefferson go outside a tackle and, and and pull Zach Caleros to the ground like he would if it was Dane Evans on Sunday, but it's fun. It's com it's really competitive. It comes from the boss. It's not unique to the Bombers, but it is part of what uh, 
makes them sharp. And, and it's been from day one of training camp, they've done that. And uh, it's, it, it's near the end of practice. It's, a, it's a, almost a highlight of the practice session when it's one versus one. Eddie, as far as health goes, uh, is it pretty much all hands on deck? I mean, any worries about uh, about um, guys being able to go for Sunday? Yeah, I'm just looking out here now. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, yeah, Andrew Harris is practicing, um, so that's a good sign. And uh, Mike Jones was missing. He skipped out yesterday. I'm just seeing if I can see him. I'm not sure yet Huss, uh, if he's practicing yet or not today, so kind of looking behind a couple of different barriers here, but it's all, it looks, this is as healthy as you can be, right? I mean, this was the big concern when they had those three games at the end of the regular season about whether you'd have all hands on deck and resting people, the old rest versus rest debate. But for them to be here at this point and have everybody good to go, we were also tested for the last time um, yesterday. So I think everybody's good to go. And that's a great sign based on this whole year has been so bizarre in that regard. Um, to get to this point now, to be this close to the Grey Cup and not have had anybody miss any games because of COVID is pretty remarkable. You know, the uh, the matchup, I think, is exactly what people wanted to see. Uh, the Ticats getting the opportunity to play at home. And, of course, Ed, uh, Zach Caleros and Dane Evans going back at it again. And the Ticats quarterback situation is very interesting. And maybe we'll touch on that in a second. But Zach Caleros, the last time he was in the Great Cup for the Bombers, had played, what, three games for Winnipeg before yeah. starting that game? Um, now he's the quarterback of a team. He started the entire season that finished first, that won last week. But it is interesting. He's going back to a spot where he had some of his greatest, greatest success in the Canadian Football League. What's the week been like for Zach? And uh, how is he feeling? And how is he, uh, you know, kind of been enjoying being back in the hammer knowing that he's on the verge of another incredible accomplishment for he and his team. This is a, a, an interesting site for him because he, he has him and his wife, Nicole live not too far from here. Actually, they still have a home here. And this is, you're right. This is where Zach had some of his greatest moments, but also some of his worst. They, I mean, he was, they were 0 and 8 one year and, and they yanked the starting short uh, quarterback chores from him. And he ended up get, getting traded from Hamilton to Saskatchewan. Um, I'm writing a story on Zach for today slash tonight because, uh, you know, the, the player awards is, are tonight and I'm, he's the front runner for the most outstanding player award as far as I'm concerned. Um, he's been the same all week, you know, he, again, very calm, very, um, very collected. Uh, and, and yet when you talk to some of the players, because you have more chance to do more interviews, uh, I keep asking them, well, we hear about you guys talked about him all the time being fiery and being, you know, super competitive. And, uh, but we don't see that when he's doing an interview, he's, you know, the most laid back and reserved guy ever. What is he like in the huddle? And, um, Kenny Lawler was telling me that, uh, there's times when he walks into the huddle and he's joking around, which, you know, can relax guys, but there's other times he'll come into the huddle and he said, he'll be like, Hey, listen up. We're going to get ready right now to kick their ass. Well, we're going to put the screws of them right now. And that the guys just like kind of everybody leans in and they're ready to go. And it's uh, it's the side of him that we don't get to see. I think deep down, Zach, because he is so competitive, he wants to stick it to the Ticats one more time because uh, this is a team that traded him. Uh, I think when you you sign somewhere or you have some success somewhere, you think, oh, this is uh, – this is where I'm going to be for the rest of my career, right? But it's not that way with him. And uh, 
I think he's got a little bit of extra fire in that belly for, for Sunday. Uh, Ed Tate with us from BlueBombers.com from Hamilton. Bombers on the field right now practicing, getting ready for Grey Cup 108 Sunday afternoon. Um, Eddie, I, I, you know, Bomber fans, if you haven't already gone to BlueBombers.com and read Ed's long read on uh, Andrew Harris, Nick Dembski, and Brady Oliveira, uh, you definitely should get over and do that. I mean, the uh, the Oak Park trio, Remus has got it up on the screen right there. I've talked a lot about Mike O'Shea this week, and you know, I know he's not thinking about this, but if Mike O'Shea is able to win another great cup, where that puts him in the pantheon of Blue Bomber coaches. Um, but Ed, I mean, these three young men, and particularly Andrew Harris, who's destined for the Hall of Fame, and Nick Dembski, who's uh, already had a wonderful career. Um, you know, these young men have the opportunity to go down, uh, I, I mean, to elevate their status amongst Winnipeg football legends even further. Um, really love the piece. Maybe talk a little bit about that. But, I mean, what would a great cup win mean for a player like Andrew Harris and Dembski and even Oliveira, who hasn't been around for a very long time, but has been a part of some of the greatest successes we've seen here in decades? Yeah, it, the First of all, the fact that there's three guys from one high school is what makes the story so unique. And remember in 2019, as Chris Cuthbert's calling the game, Glenn Suter's on the color. They must have mentioned Oak Park High School a half dozen times in this game that it was remarkable that two guys from the same high school were starting on offense for the Great Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers, their own their hometown team. Now there's a third guy in, in Brady Oliveira who was injured in 2019. He's suiting up on Sunday. So we went back and did a little bit of research and some people that helped me, uh, including a guy named his Twitter handle is at Stats Junkie. If you're a CFL fan, you got to check him out. He, he did some digging and found out that the last time the Bombers had um, three guys uh, from the same high school on their team was 1946. And there were four guys from Kelvin High School on the Bombers. And if you remember back then, we wouldn't remember. I had to research it. I'm not that old. I wasn't alive then. <laughs> but um, back then, after World War II, the, the CFL was a lot different, right? I mean, you had a lot of guys, local guys just filling out the roster. You might have had one or two uh, you know, American guys on your team. So it, it wouldn't have been that unusual to have four guys from the same high school. But here we are all these years later, you know, with free agency, with the draft, with the, just the way the game is, to have three guys from one high school uh, on the same team is remarkable. And so as to what it would mean, uh, Andrew and, and Nick got to live it in 2019. So did Brady, but he wasn't dressed. And those guys talk about this all the time. They're, they are diehard Winnipeggers, and uh, they wanted to do this. Uh, Nick was asked about it earlier in the week, about maybe becoming the first Bomber team to win consecutive championships since 1961-62, and he started to answer the question, and then he caught himself and said, now maybe you better not go there. Ask me again on Sunday night. But he's <laughs> been thinking about it, and I know Andrew has too, and I know uh, Brady has, and just to kind of – tease my own story here that you got thanks for putting that up there Remo for for doing that um I would I already had the story in my idea in my head and I had done a lot of the interviews and I, I went over to where Willie Jefferson was doing interviews and he was just finishing up with Paul Friesen and Paul was asking him about two guys from Texas him and, and Jackson Jeffcoat who trained together and you know kind of the their story about how two guys from Texas end up in Winnipeg and when Paul left 
when he was done his interview, I said to Willie, that's pretty cool, two guys from Texas, but how about three guys from the same high school? And it was Willie that came up with, uh, that's the king, the duke, and the prince of Winnipeg right there. <laughs> Andrew Harris is the king, Nick Dembski's the prince, and Brady Oliver is the duke. So I took that to, uh, to Andrew and, and Nick. I'd already talked to Brady, and they said, yeah. Sounds pretty good. We'll live with that. <laughs> it's up at bluebombers.com right now. A long read. Definitely must read before we get to the big game on Sunday. Ed Tate is with us. Eddie, let's focus in on uh, what's going to happen on Sunday. Um, you know, I, I still look at the foundation of this football team, and that is the big guys up front on the offensive line. We saw it in spades keeping this team in and of course the defense when you know there were some uncharacteristic mistakes that I think nobody expects had to happen again certainly in the quantity that they did against the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders um but I mean when you look at the Winnipeg Blue Bombers I mean what are the what are the most important things that this team needs to do uh, to win the game and when you look at Hamilton I mean what are the things from a defensive standpoint or even special teams that they need to be wary of before kickoff on Sunday afternoon I think Winnipeg's as much like first half last week just was so off script, right? When you turn the ball over five times that, you know, the fact that they won speaks an awful lot to their resilience, which we've all been talking about all week. But what, the way they bounced back in that game was important to me. And it was just sticking to what they do, right? They weren't panicking. They weren't, you know, you, you couldn't in that win, but you weren't, you know, trying to go downfield over and over again. They said, okay, wait a minute. What do we do here? What are we good at? We pound the ball. We own the line of scrimmage. And they did with Andrew Harris. And they own the line of scrimmage on the other side of the ball with the way uh, uh, Willie and all that. Front, and Willie and Jackson, everybody got after um, Cody Fajardo last week. So I think it's the same script that unfolded in 2019 as what you do again. You try to pound the football. Hamilton's really good against the, the run. But I think you stick with it. You take your shots when you can. And then on defense, you've got to get after Dane Evans. He went 16 for 16 in relief in that Eastern final. I mean, that's pretty damn good when the ball doesn't ever hit the ground if you're a quarterback. So uh, I'm hoping that he's having nightmares the night before the game based on his 2019 flashbacks because, uh, look, he's a real good player. And if you let him get going, he can get in that kind of rhythm. So uh, I think the Bombers will have some stuff dialed up for him to get into his face early and just to make him uncomfortable because uh, – that, that that's going to be really key. So that's the line of scrimmage. You mentioned special teams. The Hamilton's kicking game has been all over the map, which sounds familiar because it's been like that in Winnipeg until Sergio Castillo came. They do have Brandon Banks, and everybody knows how dangerous he is. So, you know, if it is a field position game, that, that little uh, side battle between Banks and Janarian Grant, who can set their team up better, uh, will be something to really keep an eye on. Eddie, thanks so much. I know how busy you and uh, everyone has been. We really appreciate you joining us on Friday, but uh, we had to keep it going. We've got a very good record doing this this year. And uh, as I said, uh, definitely an invite next week to wrap the season and a few 1919s on me and a Czechs bubble hockey matchup when you guys come back after Hamilton. We'll look forward to it. Enjoy the week. Best of luck to the Bombers. Thanks so much for doing this, pal. Appreciate you having me on as always, Huss. See you. Right. At Ed Tate WFC and make a point to get into bluebombers.com and check out that great long read on the king, the prince, and the duke of Peg City as uh, as anointed 
by one Willie Jefferson. Great to have Ed on the program. Much more on the Grey Cup coming up. We'll check in with Farhan Lalji and Dustin Nielsen as well from Hamilton. All before we get back to the Jets and tee up tonight's game against the Vancouver Canucks with Scott Billick. And of course, a uh, big marble race to finish up the week before Grey Cup Sunday. Um, a big thank you to our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Uh, it, it wasn't quite a Manitoba Battery-like start for the Bombers last week, but man, did they get it going in the West Final when they needed it with that big win. Uh, but we hope it will be a Manitoba Battery-like start coming up on Sunday. Perfect, powerful, and full throttle right from the get-go. Of course, Manitoba Battery can power anything. Batteries for literally... Uh, Anything you need a battery for. But most importantly, right now, with it being winter, automotive batteries are in demand. And Manitoba Battery allows you to shop local and get the best price in town on a battery for your car. $89.50 with Core Exchange down at the shop at 1026 Logan Avenue. And they've also got an incredible deal for delivery citywide at just $104.95. Again, with a $15 deposit, uh, re return for the original core um there's lots going on right now you know on the uh, the trails we're getting sledding season back a lot of people getting the sleds out and uh, manitoba batteries got batteries for all types of sleds whatever you need usually in about the 65 to 75 dollar range so it is all there right now at manitoba battery don't wait till it's minus 30 and you're calling donnie and the uh, godfather and the guy's going help me out i need it get proactive do it before you need it a manitoba battery with the best price in town don't waste your money and your time sitting in that costco parking lot or any of the big box stores shop local and do it over at manitoba battery on logan avenue um with kickoff on sunday the one thing you might need to do is upgrade your blue in the collection and of course royal sports is the place to do that an incredible amount of blue bomber gear for all shapes and sizes and they'll have it ready and probably be flying off the shelves tomorrow as well. Check out their Instagram at Royal Sports Pembenino all week long. They've been popping out, as you can see on the screen right now, number of different hats, T-shirts, hoodies, jackets, repping the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the 2019 Grey Cup champs. And then in a few weeks, fingers crossed, if things go well on Sunday, a whole new line of championship gear for the 2021 championship team. Of course, they're the hockey superstore. They've got snowboard gear. And, you know, whether you're active, whether you're just a big sports fan, you can pretty much knock off all of the holiday shopping in one visit to Royal Sports, along with Kings Skate, Snow, and Surf over at 750 Pamina Highway. Before the holidays, we'll have to get Greg and Gerald on to do a little... Uh, a little Royal Sports holiday special with some great gift ideas for the sports fan in the family. Uh, but for the weekend, it's all about the Grey Cup. Get on down the Royal Sports 750 Pamina Highway. And our friends at Not Auto Corp, very jealous. I think Trev's out there with the gang. Huge bomber supporters over at Not Auto Corp. Uh, and of course, when it comes to getting vehicles in town, you see Milt Stiegel running through the incredible car lab and not Auto Corp showroom over at Waverly and McGilvery. Uh, Milt's worked with Trevor and the gang there for a long time. Uh, but why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the Knot team? And why not get in the lab if you've got deckling, detailing, or even a wrap needed for your vehicle? Waverly and McGilvery is where it all happens. Not Auto Corp, the Winnipeg Car Lab. Find out more online at not.ca. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes, we're going to hook up with Farhan Lalji of TSN. Interested to get Farhan's takes on what we heard from 
Randy Ambrosi today with the State of the League address. And we also saw the unveiling of the Grey Cup fan base. And the Grey Cup fan base was something that started at the beginning of the pandemic, which was ostensibly to try to get some money to keep the league alive. Um, and I know there was a number of people in Winnipeg that stepped up and desperately trying to support this league when it was, um, you know, when it was in peril. And I'm not sure we're entirely out of that, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, but I'll give the Canadian Football League a lot of credit. Saw the unveiling this morning. Uh, and it is a really, really impressive piece. And I think first and foremost, I think we've got to give a big shout out to every fan that stepped up and supported the league with something that really was not going to come to them individually, uh, but knowing it was for a great cause. But I thought the CFL did a great job of that. Um, so that was de- that was de- debuted today. And we also heard about... Uh, you know the the league going forward. So uh, let's check on check in with our good friend Farhan Lalji, who joined us from Hamilton, just two days out from the Grey Cup. Farhan, thanks so much for doing this. How are things in the Hammer? Huss, always happy to talk to you, my friend. And there's a good buzz, you know, considering it's a a COVID Grey Cup. You know, for lack of a better description, in terms of not being a full festival and every team parties and so on and so forth, it's. It, there's still a pretty good buzz. I think it's kind of heating up. I, I like the fact that everything's kind of central here, right? Like in terms of uh, where the league events, everything is kind of connected to the convention center and we're right near there. The FRC is too far away from us. That's the only downside to this week. <laughs> well, I'm sure you guys will be able to find a way to the FRC suite late night and go forward. Um, I just want to quickly ask you before I get to the game about um, the commissioner's address today, uh, Randy Ambrosi. What were the the big hot and button button topics for Ambrosi coming through? I mean, such a tumultuous period for everyone, but especially the Canadian Football League. Was it more optimism that we've got to this point and have such a great Grey Cup matchup, or was it more about some of the trials and tribulations that the league has gone through over the past two years? Well, definitely the latter. I, I don't even know if he was asked a question about the game itself. So, you know, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, he was asked certainly about the state of the league, the finances and, you know, how much trouble they're in still and, and how much work there is to be done. And, uh, you know, I asked him about the game. You know, I think the quality of the game has been really, really poor. And I don't think it's just because of COVID. I think it was trending in this direction and then a big drop off here. And, you know, so there was a lot of those types of things. Obviously, the situation around the Argos, uh, John Murphy and, and things of that nature. So, there's a, there's a lot there uh, that, that he had to go through. And, um, you know, and, and there's some optimism for sure because you've got uh, this new partner uh, with Genius, uh, Genius Sports, and, you know, their involvement in a number of other leagues. And I've never seen so much optimism around a new initiative in, you know, a decade. Like, I can't even remember the last time I, I felt this. And it was genuine talking to other people around the league after the fact that they – they really believe this is going to be a game changer. And one of the reasons for that is that it's um, this company is invested, right? Like they've got an equity piece in this project. So they don't own any individual teams, but they, there is financial incentive for this company to also make things work. And um, they can provide things to the league in terms of data and information and fan engagement that they otherwise simply never could have done. Right. And, and I mean, uh, you know, I, I think the example that was given to me that, you know, if you want to fix a car, you can either try to do it with like a, you know, a massive chest of tools, right? Like, you know, one of those big, one of those big ones that has like, you know, whatever, 10 different drawers and, you know, or you can try to do it with, you know, a, a pair of pliers and a wrench, right? And that's, that's the difference. And they, so they're giving, they're, they've been given tools and resources 
to really try to push this in a, in a direction by a group that's now invested to help them get there. That coupled with revenue sharing, you know, for the first time in quite some time, uh, something that everybody believed was really, really needed by this league. I think all of that has left them with a sense of optimism that, hey, things aren't perfect, but we now are in a place where we can get there based on some of the support they're going to get from Genius, but also a little more alignment from the governors in terms of things like revenue sharing and the, the understanding that we're either going to punch our way out of this together or we're going to not punch our way out of it at all. Farhan, were, were the letters XFL mentioned at all in this uh, presser today? Yeah, you know, they were asked about it, but I, I just think it's so in the rearview mirror, right? There wasn't necessarily a, a need to get into it too deeply. But yeah, they, you know, they were asked about uh, the context and, and some things around that. But ultimately, you know, like it's been more than six months since I think all of that went away. So I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't know that that was nearly as pressing as, uh, as anything else. But I will tell you this, and Naylor and I are going to talk about this later on Sports Center. Um, understand that. When they talked about the XFL, what left everybody aghast, right? Like the traditionalists in places like Winnipeg and, and Edmonton, what left them aghast was the thought of changing rules to accommodate the XFL. Well, guess what? Changing rules is going to be on the table, with or without the XFL. It's going to be on the table. Because when you look at what this league has looked like this year from a product standpoint, they better fix this. Right, like you can't continue to trend the way they've trended offensively since 2017, and there's everything needs to be on the table. People are going to say they should never consider four downs. Guess what? They're going to consider four downs. They're going to consider other. They're going to consider any possible thing that they believe can add offense to this game. And and I'm not saying that can right. And I'm not saying that's done. Like don't don't misunderstand me. All I'm going to say is there's no sacred cows, and I think everything is going to be considered in terms of how to fix the offensive issues the Steel League has dealt with in the last couple of seasons. And everyone's got their theories, right? But, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be really measured about it and have a lot of qualified people in the room and look at every option. Uh, you know, Farhad, I mean, you're the best guy to talk about this considering your extensive coaching background. But, I mean, uh, what's your theory on why the, the league, especially offensively, uh, outside of a few games and a few teams, um, was so impotent this year? Well, so there's two questions. One, or how do you fix it, right? Which is what the league is looking at. And what the other is, what were the problems? So for me, I think a lot of what's caused this, I think it started four years ago when you eliminated contact in practice. And I know the PA is going to hate me saying this, but O-linemen will tell you that they are missing out in their ability to prepare by not having some practice. So you get these Canadian college offensive linemen that come into the league, and now they're never allowed to hit and actually properly develop outside of a couple of contact days in training camp, right? So it starts there. So it brings the quality of your offensive linemen down significantly or at least delays their development time. And these guys got to get rolled in there and play, you know, in front of quarterbacks. We haven't necessarily found that next wave of quarterbacks, right? I mean, it looked like guys like Evans and Fajardo and, and um, uh, Vernon Adams and uh, Nick Arbuck were all going to be that next wave. And all of them kind of took a bit of a step back in 2019, right? So I think there's a lot of different reasons for why it's gone this way. Uh, you know, the amount of ratio that's been loaded up on the defensive side of the ball as far as heavy Americans. You know, there's different reasons for it in terms of why it's trended that way. And they've got to they've got to explore every possibility to to adjust. Right. Hey, Farhan Lodgy with us here on T on, uh, from TSN on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, getting ready for the Grey Cup on Sunday. Farhan, just before I ask you about the game, uh, you and Naylor, I know, reported on this. Um, Orlando Steinhauer, potentially candidate for a pretty 
nice DC gig at the University of Washington. Uh, what can you tell us about Steinauer's future? And maybe on a bigger question, how much change could we see with this Tiger Cats team going into next year, depending on what happens on Sunday? Yeah, you know what? I, I Look, I don't think anything is done, and I don't want to characterize it that way, but there's a lot of reports coming out of the University of Washington area from people I know there. Uh, that are tying Orlando to the job just because of his relationship with Kalen DeBoer, the new head coach at Washington. The two men were coordinators in 2017 at Fresno. It was a really good relationship. But there hasn't been discussions between the two parties on this particular job, like nothing in, in any kind of detail. There's been no negotiations. There's been no offer made or anything like that. But, um, you know, my sense of it is, is that Kalen DeBoer is waiting until the Grey Cup is over out of respect to Orlando. And I think that he's starting to place people on his staff uh, as position coaches, including on the defensive side of the ball. And it's rare that that happens without knowing who your coordinator is going to be, right? Like, you, cause you're going to give the coordinator some level of input and you've got to tell those people that are coaching those positions who they're going to be working for so that they can feel comfortable about it. So my sense of it is, and again, like I want to be clear here, no job offer has been made, no negotiations have taken place, right? I mean, you know, my understanding is that the two sides exchange congratulatory texts when, um, Kalen DeBoer got the job at Washington and when the Ticats made it to the Grey Cup, right? I, I don't think there's been more than that, but there has been, you know, a meaningful friendship and dialogue that two men have had over the last four years since they worked together. So my sense of it is that on Monday, I think there's going to be some conversations. And um, if there is a desire, I'm going to say this properly, if there is a desire on the part of the University of Washington to name Orlando Steinauer their defensive coordinator, I believe that will happen. Now, Washington could name a D coordinator in the next 48 hours, right? And it could be somebody else. But I'm telling you, if it goes to Monday and they haven't picked that guy and there's a desire to bring in Orlando Steinauer, I think the Hamilton Ticats will be looking for a new head coach. Farhan, let's get to the game. Uh, Bombers are a three-point favorite right now at most books. Um, they've been the best team all year long. They handled Hamilton in the first game of the season, but it has been a long, long time since these two teams met. And, of course, we all remember what happened in the Grey Cup in 2019. Uh, what do you make of the matchup, and uh, what, what is the path to victory for both teams in your mind? Uh, well, the path to victory for both teams, here's where I'm having a tough time with it, right? I, number one, I think last week got, got the attention of the Riders. Or, sorry, of the Bombers, I should say, right? Like, the fact that they stumbled... The fact that they stumbled the way they did, um, you know, we'll make sure they understand this is not going to be easy, right? So, so that's number one. Um, number two, as I look at the matchups around here, you know, I really feel that Winnipeg's got the best O-line and D-line in the league, and I'm sure I'm not in the minority of opinion to think that. And I felt that Hamilton, their D-line could hold up and match up against Winnipeg's O-line. That took a bit of a hit today with Ted LaRanche news, right? That he's got, he had an emergency appendectomy and is not going to play in the game. But I still think Ja'Garrett Davis is as good as Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson. And, and I think the way they play defensively, I think they can hold up, right? I mean, that's not to say they're going to shut Winnipeg down. I didn't say that, but I don't think they're going to get just completely worked over. But the other side of the ball, I just do not see a way for Hamilton, for that offensive line, to be able to function effectively against Winnipeg's defensive line. I just think they're too good, they're too deep, and I, I don't see, a, a, you know, as much as I think Dane Evans looked great last week, and as much as he's going to be motivated to make up for what happened last year, I think he's going to be running for his life. 
right? And the best part about Winnipeg is they don't have to blitz to get pressure because those guys are so good, so they can still play coverage behind it, right? And, you know, you still don't have a Braylon Addison type guy. You know, I, I, I'm a big fan of Don Jackson. Can he get anything going against that defensive front? I don't know. So I, I just, I think that's the big matchup I can't get past is Winnipeg's D-line versus um, Hamilton's offensive line. Farhan, uh, just before we go, uh, Jets are in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. Been a pretty wild uh, week in Canuckland. Boost Brudrow's in. They've got a couple wins going forward. Now Jim Rutherford's apparently going to be the president of hockey operations. Um, uh, how, how much more fun is it this week to talk about the Canucks than how miserable it was the last little bit? And uh, what do you think about all the, the turnover that's happened recently with the Canucks? Well, probably much needed, right? I mean, I think I think the GM lasted probably two years longer than he should have, right? I, I think you can make the case that he was always out of his depth, and this was never going to go well. And the signs were there long ago when he was making some really, really bad decisions on contracts, and it, it should have happened years ago. Uh, as far as Travis Green is concerned, you know, I, I think Travis is a very good coach. I think he's going to have another life as a head coach in this league, and I think he's going to have a lot of success. While I believe that, I also think a change was needed. And both things can be true, right? In that the team wasn't playing for him anymore. The best players weren't playing for him anymore. Now, for me, I, I generally am critical of players when it comes to that. And I am in this case. I think it's it's unfortunate that you get a bunch of these young guys and they're they're not necessarily as accountable as they need to be. And all of a sudden, they can have bad body language and a guy loses his job, right? Um, because he did get things out of these players before. And he did break them into the league when none of them spent any time in the minors, right? Like they all got fast-tracked into the league. and. He had to absorb him into the lineup. But ultimately, for whatever reason, and you and I know this, right, that it's easier to change the coach. And he wasn't reaching the players at that point, And he himself knew they couldn't continue to lose. So uh, Boudreaux has been kind of the anti-Travis in terms of just lightening the mood in the room. And everything's been, you know, fun and all that. But, um, uh, you know, it, so but when coaching changes happen, you're always going to get a bit of a bump. And that's what this is right now. So we'll see because the roster is still flawed. So can he get more out of them in the short term? Sure. I absolutely expect that. Can he get more out of them in the long term? We'll see, but uh, they're a lot more fun to watch. And I just think that in the marketplace collectively, there's just been a bit of an exhale because everybody's been waiting for something to happen. Players, fans, media alike, everybody's been waiting and now it's happened. So they can just kind of move on with what's next. And that matters. Yeah, well, the fans went from chanting fire bending every game to uh, chanting Bruce, there it is, to the uh, tag know, team. And so it sounds like they're having a lot more fun. I said, speaking of fun, I mean, from a media perspective, I'm sure everyone's excited to have Bruce around. Yeah, no, he's, he, yeah, he's a good guy to talk to. And I mean, you know, with Travis, he tended to get somewhat dismissive, right, in press conference settings. But if you knew him away from that setting, he was actually a really good guy. So it didn't, it, you know, those things didn't bother me. But just in terms of that ability to just, kind of just chuckle at yourself and be self-deprecating and just have fun with it. It's, um, it is, uh, it's different for sure. Hey, Farhan, thanks so much for taking the time. Enjoy Grey Cup weekend. And uh, hey, just on the way out, why don't you plug Farhan with the Moj? I really enjoyed the episodes. Uh, tell people where they can get the podcast and what you guys have cooking this week. Yeah, you can get it on all your favorite podcast platforms for sure. And yes, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, like all of it. So uh, tune in. Usually we, we uh, post every Tuesday and it's Bob Marjanovic and myself. It's full TV production. Had an interview last week with Doug Flutie and he was fantastic talking about uh, his CFL moments and, and things of that nature. He's got great takes and opinions. So down the NFL, the NCAA and the CFL, lots of betting stuff. So it's a lot of fun. So yeah, log on. Perfect. Thanks for doing this Farhan. Have a great weekend.
Take care, guys. Good stuff. There it is. Farhan Lalji of TSN joining us from Hamilton. We're going to get back to Hamilton in a minute and hook up with Dustin Nielsen, who's done such a great job all year calling games on television. He'll actually have the radio call this week. Uh, before we do that, folks, it's Great Cup weekend. Uh, your menus should be planned right now, what you're going to be eating, what you're going to be drinking. And if you're drinking beer, may I suggest that with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the Great Cup, you get your hands on Winnipeg's finest beer, which of course is Little Brown Jug in the new 19, or not the new 1919, the iconic 1919 brand, my go-to. But you might want to also try the special beer that's just been brewed for the fifth anniversary, the Brute IPA, which is a champagne-like extra dry IPA with flavors of citrus and stone fruit. Had a couple last week with Andrew Collier down at the uh, big fifth-year anniversary party phenomenal a little stronger than many of the other beers uh but they've got it all down and of course you can pick up little brown jug the winter variety pack 1919 and more at your local beer store but consider popping down to the uh, tap room and brewery on william avenue just an amazing facility if you haven't been there certainly worth your while to head down there try a few of the beers you can buy it all there as well not to mention some amazing merchandise which might be perfect for stocking stuffers or under the tree. And they'll also curate great gift boxes. Um, they've got some that are already made, or you can uh, decide what you want. Get some merch, get some beer, put it all together. They'll wrap it up all nice for you and deliver it citywide. And I do know they're rocking free delivery right now as well. All there. Find out online as well at littlebrownjug.ca. The teammates of the game for Princess Auto last week was the Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans. Maybe the uh, the best Princess Auto teammates of the game all season long and the most well-deserved. What a day that was on Sunday. Going to be a little warmer in Hamilton. Going to be a little warmer in Winnipeg. But hopefully the end result is the same with the Bombers being victorious and this time bringing the Grey Cup back. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around, plus items from the new farm category. Everything you need to make and complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto, family-owned, Canada-wide, headquartered right here in Winnipeg, two local locations, and you can uh, get some of those great gift ideas and find out more 24-7, 365. Make it work over at princessauto.com. And uh, our friends at Boston Pizza have a big Grey Cup party happening. Over at Boston Pizza, Polo Park is the Boston Pizza Grey Cup viewing party. Here's what you need to know. The official Winnipeg Blue Bombers Defend the Cup viewing party is at BP Polo Park, 690 St. James Street. Special guests, Blue Bomber alumni, including the Great Rod Hill, the Bomber Cheer Team, Buzz and Boomer, Awesome Bomber prize packs, happy hour food and drink specials, including $4 ice cold Coors lights. If you'd like to book a spot or a table, give Boston Pizza Polo Park a call at 925-4107. And if you can't make it to BP Polo Park on Sunday, watch the game on the big screen with great happy hour specials and $4 ice cold Coors lights at your nearest Boston Pizza or order one of our meal deals for takeout and delivery at bostonpizza.com. I did get the Wing Lovers meal deal last night for the uh, Viking game leading into the hockey game. If you do like wings, Boston wings are amazing. That is a heck of a deal right now for the triple order. You can order it all online at bostonpizza.com. All right, 
huge marble race coming up at the end of the program. We do have to talk a little more Jets. Scott Billick is feet on the ground in Vancouver after last night's game in Seattle. So we'll talk to Scotty in a few minutes. Make sure you stick around for those of you with us live on YouTube for the marble race towards the end of the program. But right now, before we get to Scott Billick, let's get to uh, Dustin Nielsen. Caught up with him just before the program. He had some meetings this afternoon, so we couldn't do it live. But uh, Dusty's in Hamilton. He'll have the Grey Cup radio call and join us a little earlier here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. My good friend, co-host of the Lock Shop podcast, of which we discussed the Grey Cup today at length. Check it out. Search Lock Shop on your favorite podcast feed. He will be the national voice for TSN Radio for the game. And you can tell he's all business because, uh, as Remus <laughs> mentioned before we came on, potentially the first ever visit on WST with his hair looking all neat and uh, no hat. Uh, in fact, you almost look like six-year-old Marshall who <laughs> we pulled out of the bullpen for the partner parley right now. What's going on, pal? How are I, you? I do look young when I when I when I'm shaved and I don't have a hat on. I how old are you? I'm six. I'm sixteen. Uh, I just. <laughs> I, I work really hard for a 16 year old. So, uh, but yeah, you know, it's all business out here, Huss. I get a chance to call yeah. the break up on radio this week. I got to be serious about it. Yeah, no one's ever said that it's all business at Grey Cup Week. Or if it is, you're doing it wrong. I will say that, though. A big opportunity for you, obviously, an amazing year calling the games on the TSN and uh, getting back in the booth one more time. And what a matchup we've got. I mean, a rematch of 2019, the home team, the tie cats taking on the team that was the beast of the Canadian football year, Canadian football league all year long in the Winnipeg blue bombers, pretty juicy matchup. And I imagine the hammer's ready for it. You really, you can't script it any better. Obviously this place is going to be buzzing. I got in late last night. Uh, you know, obviously the hotel where we're all staying here with TSN, it's all done up. There's tie cats and CFL stuff everywhere. Even the, uh, I don't have it. My room keys, a CFL room key. It's pretty cool. Um, but it's, it's, it's a dream scenario. Like if you're the CFL at the beginning of the year, you know, you know, having the riders and Riderville and everything would be, would be, would be excellent, I guess. But I think from a league perspective, you probably wanted the bombers and the tie cats. I mean, the tie cats, are at home after coming in with the great cup expectations and having a little bit of a roller coaster season. And then you've got the defending champions who returned so many from that group and have looked like a juggernaut throughout the season. So now you've got the defending champions who've been by far the best team in the league this year, going on the road to take on the very team that they upset two years ago in the last game that we saw. It's you can't script it any better, man. Like this is laid out in an ideal fashion for the Canadian Football League, you know Tim Hortons Field is going to be absolutely packed. I mean, you know, Tie Cats fans are—they're um, nuts. I mean, that's next level. We saw what yeah, happened in Argos. Toronto last week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure security will be cranked up a notch, and it probably has to be because uh, it's going to be an amazing game. I haven't called a football game on the radio in a long time, so I'm excited to kind of get back behind the mic in my AM radio roots us and call this football game. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good time. I went to the went to the Thai Cats like the party last night, the Thai Cats party here, and it was it was it was fun. Um, Anthony Calville was there, and I never really had a chance to be around him because he was gone by the time I was you know covering the league for TSN. And I just stood there next to him for like 50 minutes last night and just listened to him talk. And then when I left, I said, "Hey man," I said, "I'm Dustin. I'm doing play by play now for TSN." I said, "I just wanted to say it was great to stand here and listen to you for the last hour. Like that was that was awesome." So you get you get any uh, nugs from AC about the matchup on Sunday? What did he have to say? Didn't dive into it too much. We were mostly talking about stories from his career, to be honest with you. So we didn't uh, we didn't uh -huh. dive into the matchup too much. But it's I mean, 
even within, I mean, the storyline, the bigger picture storyline, terrific. But even the matchups within this game are going to be sensational as well. Well, let's get to that. I'm sure you spent a good portion of uh, your uh, flight both looking at the map and intermittently doing prep for uh, both teams <laughs> coming in. I mean, when you really dive into this, I mean, we can talk about the bomber defense. We know the quarterbacks. I mean, was there anything else that stood out about maybe key matchups in this game that you think will be um, pivotal when it comes to determining who's raising the great cup at the end of the football game? You know, it shouldn't it shouldn't surprise anybody, but this thing will come down to the line of scrimmage because that's why both of these teams are here, right? Like, that's why both of these teams are here. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have the best offensive line in the Canadian Football League and the best defensive line in the Canadian Football League. And I think the Ticats are probably well, – they're number two for sure, in my opinion, in the offensive line. And, you know, with A.C. Leonard and Jonathan Woodard, that Riders D-line was pretty good this year. But if if they're not number two, the Ticats defensive line is probably number three in the league. Like, Ja'Garrett Davis has been arguably the best player in the playoffs so far. He's been terrific. Uh, Dylan Wynn is an absolute monster in the middle of that defense, and Julian Hauser can make plays on the outside as well. So now what can they do against uh, offensive line that's just full of all-stars? I mean, that's basically what they have in Winnipeg. So for me, it you know it it's going to come down to – if there are any breaks in either offensive line, because we know Winnipeg can run the ball. I'm sure they'll want to run the ball like crazy. And the offensive line is capable of doing that. So there's a lot of skilled players on both sides of the ball, obviously with Kenny Lawler and Andrew Harris. And uh, I love Rasheed Bailey. I think Bailey's an absolute stud in this league. You got Jalen Acklin and Brandon Banks on the other side. Don Jackson's been great since the Ticats have found a way to move the ratio around and get him into the, uh, the running back position for them, but I, th- I think it, it it might be a boring answer, man, but I think this comes down to both lines on both sides of the ball. Well, and, and, and you know what, and for that, and this is part of the wider reason, and you know, and we got into this a little bit on the lock shop, and I think when the player props come out on the weekend, we can take a look at it a little bit more, but I really think that Hamilton is going to go into this game realizing that if they don't stop the run, they have zero chance of winning the football game and really sell out to try to stop Andrew Harris, and I think that is going to give Zach Caleros and his receivers, plenty of opportunities for big plays. And, you know, the Bombers can do it both ways. I mean, we have seen Caleros. I mean, he, by all rights, should have led the league in passing this year, but, you know, ended up getting sat down for a game and a half down the stretch, much to my chagrin with a 13 to one ticket, but I digress. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and despite the fact, I mean, Nick Dembski had a very uncharacteristic, I mean, it wasn't even a bobble, it was essentially a tip drill to uh, Ed Ganey at the beginning of the West final, there were some other mistakes. I don't expect that to happen, but in the second half when the bombers really needed it, I mean, to me, there were two plays that stood out that weren't involving Andrew Harris. One was that catch by Kenny Lawler. And the other was the catch by Darvin Adams, who by his standards has a very, had a very quiet season. That was a huge catch though. It it absolutely was. I mean, a big first down and uh, that, you know, they kept it going and put it into the end zone both times for the touchdowns that ended up winning them the football game. So, I mean, the Bombers can get it done in a number of ways, but I really do think that, I mean, if or from Orlando Steinhauer's perspective, he remembers what happened in 2019. And if they're getting run all over and the Bombers just keep the football and keep running for six and seven and eight yards a carry, it could be a long, long afternoon for the Ticats. So how they handle that, I think, will be pivotal. Uh, and then what Zach Galeris is able to do with the opportunities, I think that inevitably come up in the passing game because of how much focus there is on the run game can certainly be a part of it. Let's talk about the quarterbacks. I yeah. mean, 
you know, it's kind of funny when you look at Winnipeg, there's not a lot of suspense or storylines as opposed to who's in it. This is the team pretty much that started the season. I mean, you obviously got a new kicker and Winston Rose came in at the end, but this is the unit that was, you know, a historically good defense for Winnipeg. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the uh, running game. Um, Johnny Augustine was great in his start. Brady Oliveira got it done, but Andrew Harris is there. But what do you make of Hamilton coming into this game with Dane Evans as the starter after Jeremiah Masoli pretty much has been the guy for the last couple months, but man, did, man, did Orlando have a quick hook taking him out first series into the second quarter in the East final when things weren't going well. Yeah. I think the quick hook kind of led you to believe that, you know, he's more than happy with having Dane Evans in that situation. And Mazzoli hadn't done anything up until that point, then had that fumble. And then that was it. It was like, okay, we're going to Dane Evans. I mean, as far as coaches decisions and coaches hunches go, <laughs> it worked out all right. Dane Evans goes 16 of 16, doesn't have an incompletion, throws for one touchdown pass to Jalen Acklin. And then, you know, what he does all year, he rushes in a couple of touchdowns as well. So it certainly worked out. And, you know, I thought it was funny a little bit earlier in the week when people were like, confirm Dane Evans is starting. Of course, Dane Evans is starting. He went 16 of 16 in the game to get you to uh, to the Grey Cup. And Mazzoli, Mazzoli's been interesting all season because there was a stretch there, like in the from midway through the season to probably the final quarter of the season in there, that third quarter stretch where, you know, he was, he was over 300 yards. He was, he looked like he was kind of clicking. Um, but then for, for Steinauer to, you know, know his quarterback situation and, and say, Nope, we're going to Evans. And the, the, the reason this isn't an issue with this team, which I think helps them going into this game is because all year long, this has been the situation for the Hamilton Tiger cats quarterback. Is it ideal to say that there, there's two guys, even look, Watford has two wins. He, he was 2-0 and in starts this year. Like all three of their quarterbacks in that room have contributed in one way or another. So Dane Evans is going to start this game. I, 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 I know Dane Evans has the ability to have a good game. Um, but if he doesn't, I mean, you'll still have some Mazzoli sightings possibly. And, and we'll see. I mean, they even brought Mazzoli in a short yardage uh, at the end of that East final when it's been the revol- reversal the entire year. Mazzoli came in, got the job done, ran back off the field. So those two guys do have a really good relationship. Um, I'm very interested to see. I mean, I talked about the lines, but I'm very interested to see what type of game Dane Evans can have against this Bombers defense because they're going to need him to be not perfect, but pretty darn close to perfect. And uh, is he capable of doing that? It's a big stage for him, big opportunity for him to lock up something moving forward in the Canadian Football League. So, yeah, that's that's one of the top three storylines for sure. Yeah, and, and I mean, I just think back to two years ago. I mean, when uh, the Ticats were the favorites going in, there was a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger, and they should have been. They were 15-3. and three. I mean, in a lot of cases, they were very much the team that the yep. Bombers have been this year from start to finish. And I think it's a cautionary tale for Winnipeg the way things went. But when it comes to the path to victory for the Ticats, I mean, we talked about the line of scrimmage. I think first and foremost, they're going to need to fall out, do what they can to minimize the Bombers' rushing attack. And then there's going to be a ton of pressure and probably one-on-one coverage in the secondary. But offensively, for the Ticats to put up the amount of points that it's going to, they're going to need to just be in this game, to have it tight in the fourth quarter, what do you think needs to happen? I think they need to stick to the run, to be honest with you. I mean, I think what we saw early in that game against Toronto and then saw it later when they kind of were trying to seal it away. I mentioned it earlier. Don Jackson has been excellent since coming in. I mean, they managed to move some things around, getting an American into that starting running back spot over the last 
you know, month or so. And he had a ton of jump last week. He looked extremely dynamic last week. And this wasn't a guy who played a ton, you know, in the first three quarters of the season. So it's not like he's getting worn down at this point. So I think, you know, in order to take some of that pressure off of, off of Dane Evans, I think, you know, you're going to have to get Jackson involved heavily and, and stick with it. Like if it doesn't work early and it might not work early, I don't think you can just say, ah, man, we, we got to get away from this. We're going to have to have Dane Evans throw the ball 35 times in this game. I don't think that's going to be a strategy for success. Maybe it end up being proved wrong, but I think they need to get Jackson going. Cause I mean, he's, he's got that big playability. I mean, he's, he's not going to, he's not going to pound it down your throat like an Andrew Harris will, but Jackson's a guy who can bust one for 30, 40, 50 yards. Um, so I think, and you know what, I do think they're going to have to get pretty creative. I think you're going to have to see some creativity out of that offense. And they, they like to do that. I mean, they'll get the ball to Tim White. They'll get the ball to Brandon Banks. They'll get the ball to Ackland, you know, coming underneath on a quick pitch and quick toss and things like that. So uh, I do think, you know, from a coaching perspective, the Ticats are going to have to get a little bit more creative than the Bombers will with, you know, a steady diet of Harris and then some short passes to Rasheed Bailey in the slot and the odd deep shot down the field to Kenny Lawler. Um, I think I think the Ticats are going to have to establish something with Jackson and then mix in some creativity if they're going to do things offensively. Dustin Nielsen uh, from TSN and the Lock Shop and the AM Nasty in Edmonton <laughs> with us here. Uh, the AM Nasty has a whole new meaning. Usually it's the AM like the morning, but uh, it's kind of getting a little gritty here with the radio call on the AM dial yeah. in many cities across the country. Let me just ask you this from a from a play-by-play perspective. Is the job any different doing it on radio than it is doing it on television as you've done all year? Yeah, it will be. I mean, on, on TV, you know, we pretty, you know, the format's the same. Like, we'll come out, uh, you know, they'll have the return. Boom, here's a shot of Zach Kolaris. So I go, here's Zach Kolaris. Here's his numbers. Boom, boom, boom. After the first play, it's like, let's take a look at the Ticats defense and, and all that. So, you know, we probably won't have a lot of that on the radio broadcast. You know, that's the same sort of structure that we had on TV. Um, you know, I, I, I will feel, I think I'm going to feel a little bit more relaxed doing the game on radio as opposed to, you know, 2 million people watching on TV. So I'll probably have a little bit more fun on the radio. Um, but, and, and you know what, there'll be opportunity. You have to set the scene a little bit more kind of, it goes back to my, you know, my, my radio play-by-play roots when I was starting. So uh, yeah, there's, there's a difference. I and mean, if anybody tells you there isn't, they're lying to you. There's certainly a difference. And uh, I'm looking forward to Like I, I, I was saying, I haven't called a radio game, um, you know, hockey or, or football in like five years. So this is going to be uh this is going to be fun to kind of just go back to being able to fully describe everything to people. Because I think one of the things on TV, because of my background in radio, I've probably tended to do that a little bit too much. Like when I was starting with the CFL on TSN a couple of years ago. So now I can really go back and just, I, I who is it? Um, Kevin Harlan or is it Ian Eagle? Anyway, whoever does the Monday night on Westwood one. Oh, Harlan. Uh, yeah, Harlan. So the best. But it's like, yeah, he'll be like, rubs his hand on his pants, turns the ball over a little bit. I'm just like, <laughs> God, I love this guy. He's one of my favorites. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll crank it up a notch. I'll make sure everybody knows. Like, cause on TV, you're just sort of adding to it. On radio, you're painting the picture of everything. I mean, I could lie to the nation and nobody would know us. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well, speaking of Harlan, I'd say it's about 50-50. Maybe we can get a prop on this at Cool Bet that one of those maniac box J-boys or other Ticat fans are going to end up on the field at some point. And this could be your opportunity for the Kevin Harlan moment of driving. He's at the 20. He's at the 30. He's drunk. Security's after him. I mean, his most iconic calls have been bullshit that's been happening on the field outside of the actual game. And it's been legendary. Well, and you know what? On TV, I could never do that. 
because they won't show it, right? Like they won't get to a shot on it. But like I said, on the radio, there might not even be a streaker, but there will be a streaker at some point. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm working with Natea J. I've never had an opportunity to work with him. So, you know, going in to do a great cup with somebody you never worked for before is a little interesting, but by all accounts, and I've listened to him a little bit, he's really good. So, um, you know, a younger guy, a lot of energy there as well. So we should have a, we should have a really fun broadcast. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, man, cannot wait for it. We've had Natea on the program a couple times. Great dude. I know you guys will do a great job. And of course, the CGOB will have it. Uh, if you're not watching the game on TSN and you're uh, driving around, you can listen to the kid here beginning at five o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Uh, have a great weekend. Maybe I'll see you. Stay tuned. Keep your phone on. <laughs> I will, buddy. I'll see you later. All right. Great stuff with Dusty on the program. Uh, we do have a new lock shop coming up as well after the program today. Probably. I don't know, around 5, 5.30. Pay attention to my Twitter. We'll fire it out. You can watch it live on Dusty's Twitter at NielsenTSN1260. But if you're listening on the podcast, make sure you uh, subscribe, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast to the lock shop. We started off with all of our great cup picks and then we get into our usual fiesta of the NFL on Friday. Okay, couple things uh, before we get to Billick. First off, thank you very much, Ryan Friesen. One of the most controversial members of the WST chat day after day coming through with a very nice super chat. We appreciate you, dude. Uh, thanks so much. And Remus, we can officially announce we have hit the milestone that I said yesterday that we would add to the marble race today. Is it official? We now have 6,000 YouTube subs. <laughs> uh, here comes the chat. Here comes the chat. There we are. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. That is awesome. Uh, onward and upward. But I am adding a WST t-shirt. And this is very limited edition. No more at Royal. Only a couple left anywhere. <laughs> WST hat. So we'll put those in for third place. We've got the uh, hoodie for first place. We've got the I Love Rye package for second. We've got a little WST prize pack as well. And we will also have a Grey Cup DQ cake. And speaking of DQ, Nick and Nikki are ready for the game. Our pal Chris in the chat picked up a Blue Bomber Grey Cup cake yesterday. You can check it out at DQ Manitoba. Still time to get set up for the game on Sunday. And of course, four locations, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. So thanks a lot to Chris. Certainly thanks a lot to Nick and Nikki. Uh, and especially if you're in St. Patel, you can also um, you can also make that Grey Cup spread a lot better with a Skip or Uber Eats order from DQ over on St. Anne's. And of course, Canadian Club is the official sponsor of Winnipeg Sports Talk and your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There was a ton of CC being poured at IG Field, and I imagine there'll be plenty being poured around the city and province this weekend. You can get the great taste of Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. And right now for the holiday season, see the Canadian Club displays. When you go into a Manitoba Liquor Marts, be eligible to win 5,000 air miles as well as bonus air miles on all your Canadian Club purchases. Make sure to stay tuned for the Marble Race at the end of the program with uh, some great prizes with our friends over at Canadian Club. Uh, we will update the odds before we finish up with Cool Bet Canada. But before we get to the marble race, the 6K marble race, before we give all this stuff away, let's head out to Vancouver and bring in our guy Scott Billick, who is boots on the ground getting ready for the Jets, finishing up this quick back-to-back -back on the West Coast after a 3-0 win last night in Seattle. Scotty, thanks so much for doing this. How are you? 
Yeah, I'm good. Anytime. Working off two and a half hours of sleep, but you know, that's the glamorous part of the road. So, <laughs> hey, well, you Thank know what? You. It did look pretty glamorous, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, watching the pictures, um, I just have to ask you: Was the arena and the scene that we've got for the NHL's newest team as cool as it looked on social media? I mean, yeah. I'll tell you what: just following your feed, it immediately went up to number one on my must-go places to see the Jets on the road. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's good, and um, yeah, it, it, it's it. So I think the coolest thing is you kind of walk up to it and you see the space needle right away. Um, I don't know if that's me on the audio or if that's on your end. So just let me know if I need to mute. Something. Oh, oh, that's me. I'll fix it. <laughs> All right, don't um, worry, it's not you. Yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> um, and so yeah, and then you walk in, and so like the coolest thing about this place is you walk in on the upper level, right? And so. Like it's sunken and they built down instead of building up, they built down into it. So it it, it seats like 17,000. Pretty cool for arena that they basically took that's been there forever, like gutted the place and then kind of redid it, built down, built the rink in there. But like the coolest thing you walk in and you see like these two giant jumbotrons, one on each, you know, basically one in each zone. So they don't have the traditional um, center ice kind of. Uh, scoreboard like most places have they got one in each kind of end which is really cool uh we, we call them dueling uh scoreboards and then at the end of i think it's the south side of the rink maybe it's the west side i'm not entirely sure but they have like this glass right so like you can see outside and it looks really cool um i we were me and mac mike mac mcintyre mike mcintyre from the winnipeg free press we're like oh i wonder what it'd be cool if there was like a, a, a like a like a th- it's just like inside like they have like the living wall i think they call it which is like it's this green space everything's green there like you couldn't the plates for the 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 dinner for supper were like wooden and 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 then so like they're like these wooden plates that they want people to like compost after and so it's the first rink i've ever been to in the league and i've been to probably 21 of them now i think that has like like so they have a small garbage can a small recyclable and then this big compost garbage can sort of thing where you throw like your plates and your cutlery and all this stuff so like it's i mean it's called climate pledge arena and they're doing a heck of a job they're in house announcers they call it the most sustainable um rink and i i I don't think they say the world but maybe north america something like that so yeah it's pretty cool it's just you know seattle's a cool place to begin with like you go down to pike place you get fresh fish you got the fish shopping stuff if you get there on the right time it's very and there's a starbucks on every corner obviously and, and then you kind of just go to this place and yeah it's it's really cool it, it it's it's a good vibe outside they had like a bunch of stuff it's, it's warm right like well, i'm warm it's not minus 25 out it's like plus six or whatever it was um and even at night so you know it, yeah it was really nice and press boxes like they put their own little screens in so you can watch the replays right next to you uh, Nashville has that, but in Nashville, yeah, anyways, not very good in Nashville. So, um, yeah, and then the in-game show, it, it's it's good. They have live music. I don't know if you guys saw the the, the American Anthem last it's night. It's still going but, on, actually. <laughs> it, took, it took a while. <laughs> but, but <laughs> it's good. There was a lot of jokes. Yeah, there was a lot of jokes going on. But, you know, it was cool. Um, and, yeah, like the, they, they do it up. It's It's not – it's not Vegas, you know, it's not Vegas like that, but it's, they do a good job, right? They do a good job to attract fans that would, you know, 
not really your traditional NHL market, I suppose. Um, but they're doing that stuff. There are lots of stuff, a lot of diversity things too. They were, they had a, a, a thing about indigenous uh, peoples. Um, they, they had a, a night the, the night before um, where some, uh, you know, a guy had uh, uh, made a logo for the jersey and they wore those jerseys. Um, they were doing some other stuff as well for uh, this African um, place that they had there. And, and so like, it was just like, it's very, they, they, it lives up to kind of its name. It lives up to Seattle, um, what Seattle is all about. It's very clean. I mean, everything, like, it, it's just, it's Seattle in a nutshell. And, and, and it was just, it was very cool. And then you kind of got to watch a hockey game there too, which was part of it. Like, you, you know, the whole thing was like, I could write a story on this rink, right? And and then there was a game to be had at, at the same time. But it was, it was just a cool experience. And some of the players that talked about it, they're like, yeah, this is a pretty cool place. Brendan Dillon who had played there, uh, you know, for the Seattle Thunderbirds when he was playing junior. Um, I think he was one of the last guys to score a goal in that building for the Thunderbirds. Yeah, he talked about that after the game. I know that they were asking him about, uh, you know, that connection. And, uh, of course, great for Dennis to be back at around a spot where he uh, worked and TSN did a bit on that on the game last night. Um, But let's get to the game. Yeah, Uh, A really important win for the Winnipeg Jets in my book. I mean, uh, you know, I kind of likened it earlier to a Tuesday night was sort of the uh, the mess after a party. I mean, uh, nothing was really right. Everything was sort of sluggish. Last night, they cleaned up. And tonight, if they can get the win, it'll be the Febreze around the room to completely eliminate uh, all remnants of what happened on Tuesday night against the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, I think we just lost Scott. We'll get him back up there in just a minute. Um, but, oh, no, Did Scott, you you're, you're good. You're good. I think you just clicked out on my on my screen for a second. Um, but, I mean, to me, it was the Connor and Connor show. I thought that Connor Hellebuck was... Again the best player for the uh, for the Jets last night. And certainly once we got to the third period, um, Kyle Connor certainly took over. Oh, this is wild. We've got a little double action here, Remo, if you want to get that in. We've got, we're going to get Scott back in. Um, but, I mean, to me, it started with Connor Hellebuck. I thought that he played... Listen, this was not a masterpiece by the Winnipeg Jets for a full 60 minutes. I'll be honest, I didn't love the second period, and I thought they gave up a few... Pretty quality scoring chances to the Seattle Kraken, but there was Connor Hellebuck in the second period, sort of bailing the team out on a couple plays they'd probably like to have back. Um, but this still game was very much up in the air until Kyle Connor took over in the third period. I mean, do you see it the same way? Sort of Kyle Connor and Connor Hellebuck really leading the way for a team to get a very important win coming off Tuesday. Yeah, and you know it was interesting because Connor Hellebuck had a kind of a pretty slow. Period. Well. I think the shots ended up in Jets' favor after the first, but Seattle put a lot in, and you kind of wonder, you know, a guy who's like Kellebuck, who's pretty, you know, he likes a high volume of shots. I mean, you were kind of wondering, you know, if if that slow kind of start where he didn't do a whole lot would would be, would be something. So, but it wasn't. I mean, he played really well. He stepped up. I think, you know, he had something to prove. Kyle Connor. I mean, the goals are ridiculous. I mean, that third goal. I mean, it, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything in terms of you know, the outcome, obviously, but the goal is just ridiculous. Like, he's coming in full speed, splits the, and then just this little chip shot. And then, like, I, I don't know, like, I've never, like, I've seen guys do this, but it's just, like, it's so effortless. And and we're sitting there, and you're kind of just, like, not, like, cheering, but you're just, like, in amazement of, like, how good that goal is. Um, and, you know, I thought that was kind of it. Obviously, the give and go with Shifley was vintage, kind of, you know, that line, right? I mean, that's kind of what that line does. 
Um, and, and, you know, it was just, it was perfect. I mean, Connor O'Connor lays it off to Shifley. Shifley, or Connor moves to the slot. Shifley finds him and boom, it's in the back of the net. And so that's, you know, we've seen Kyle Connor do this, right? Like, I mean, this is the difference, I think, between, and this is a very point of contention among the fan base with the, with, with the CSW line, I guess it's called. Um, you know, but it, it's a different line in the sense that Kyle Connor is now the guy that's driving Blake Wheeler and even Mark Scheifele. 100%. And, and I think that's why, you know, I I, I hesitate to say this because I know people are going to be upset, but it's like give this line maybe some time to see what happens now because it's it's Kyle Connor's line and, and he's the winger. I get it. Mark Scheifele's the number one center on this team, but it's Kyle Connor doing this. I mean, Kyle Connor is pushing back defense. I mean, everybody knows. And and if you if you're Seattle and you didn't know who Kyle Connor was last night. You know, and I think Kyle Connor is one of the most underrated guys in this league, but he's just so good. I mean, I think he's still tied for third in NHL scoring, and the only guys ahead of him are Dreisaitl and Ovechkin, and like that's a pretty good place to be. Um, and, and yeah, so you know, I thought it was good, and then Connor Hellbuck was just, you know, it's almost like the guys after the game were surprised that Connor Hellbuck. This was his first shot yeah, of the Dylan season. Dylan said that, and I was played, a little too, to be right. honest. Like he's played so well this year. I'm like, wait a sec, that's his exactly. first. Exactly, and that's kind of what the the thing was. It's like, yeah, I mean, and and Hellebuck was kind of like, yeah, finally, right? Like, you know, but he's been close before, and he was almost surprised that he hadn't had one yet. He, he obviously knew that he didn't, but yeah, it was just, uh, you know, and I, and I think the other thing too is the PK went five for five, and and like that's a huge thing for this Jets team. And they talked about it pregame. Brendan Dillon said they kind of had a meeting about it amongst them uh, in terms of the pre uh, the PK group. And they're like, yeah, we have pride in this. Like, we need to be better. Like, I mean, it's just flat out. We're the worst or the second worst in the league. And, and they need to be better. And they came out and did it, you know. And, 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 and you know, all credit to Connor Hellbuck. He's the one that is usually the best PK. But that PK only allowed two shots across, well, four, you know, eight minutes and 15 seconds because the, the fifth penalty kill was a 15-second thing after the lengthy four and four there. But, yeah, it was, it was, it, it was a tidy game. People are going to say, oh, it's Seattle and whatever. But, you know, you need these games sometimes to get yourself on a roll. And I think, you know, the biggest test will be tonight, right? Like, is the PK going to allow two more goals tonight? And then last night wasn't a big deal because they they went four for four against the Wild, but also lost 7-1. So I think it's, you know, it's got to be consistency. But, you know, to be consistent, you have to have confidence. And I think this PK last night went out there, took a bunch of penalties, or the team took a bunch of penalties, and, and they took care of it. And so, and, and to only allow two shots, I mean, that's pretty good even against a bad team um, or a team that's not, you know, that, that's struggling right now, I suppose. So, um, hey, yeah. one thing on the PK, one thing one thing on the PK I wanted to bring up, and I mean, yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe they figured that this is a great chance to give the PK some reps to get back in the run, but maybe, I mean, I didn't like Adam Lowry's penalty. I thought that was, I mean, there wasn't a lot of benefit to what he did. Like Wheeler took another one that you you wouldn't like to see. And I mean, Nikolai, I don't know what he's thinking. I mean, for all the great things he does, if you hold a defenseman's stick (laughs) for 10 seconds in the offensive zone, you're getting called each and every time. I would say this, Scott, if they want to give themselves the best chance to win, all we need to do is remember the penalties that were taken, including a terrible one by the captain in Vancouver the last time they played, which really was the difference in the game because they dominated a five-on-five. Demko played well, and it was those two power play goals that ended up killing them. So as much as it was great to see the penalty kill have a strong, night look better and get the results that they needed 
I do think that the Winnipeg Jets as a team, um, especially those guys up front that are playing big minutes, need to be cognizant of their sticks and just using their head to not give teams unnecessary opportunities for a PK that last night notwithstanding has been struggling and needs to improve. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, some of the penalties have been egregious. And, you know, it's, it's especially those offensive zone penalties. It's like, what are you guys doing? Like, you don't need to be taking those ones. Like, you guys are a better defensive team. You can rely on your goalie still. So, yeah, I, I think that's kind of the area, right? Like, a part of them being better on the PK is also going to be just being more disciplined. So they don't have to. You don't need to. You know, Palmer said it last night. That number isn't getting much better this year. It's always going to be bad because it's just, it's it's very difficult to dig yourself out when you start the season off 50%. And that's what the Jets did, essentially, right? And so... They were 66 gonna, going into last night, which is right, still exactly. brutal. Like, it's bad, and you're not going to get to 80% this year. So, you know, at the same time as, yeah, it needs to be better, of course it does, right? Because it's cost them games. It costs them the Carolina game in the Vancouver game um but yeah at the same time it's like okay but don't overdo it you know like you don't need to try and you know make this penalty kill be you know 95 percent over the last 10 games either you need it just to be you know you need it to be average or at least better than average and, and you need it to you know you need to stay out of the box and you know some of the penalties or whatever yeah it was Francis St. Laurent last night Nikolai Ehlers I think Jim Toe said this on in the Twitter, and I asked Maurice after the game. I I kind of asked Toast questions. Did Ehlers need another number on his jersey for Saint Laurent to call that boarding penalty that was just clear as day? Which was, I mean, Maurice just laughed and walked away, which was hilarious. But you know, it's just like you know, the, I, I think the Jets have played last night a game where they were drawing penalties, and they you know when they got down, I don't know. It's almost like they're just like they're trying to be this more aggressive team. And I think part of that byproduct of that is going to be taking some of these penalties. You're trying to stand guys up the blue line or in the neutral zone or even at the offensive blue line and, and trying to, you know, break up plays and that sort of thing. It's going to lead to holdings or hooking or tripping or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, there's going to be penalties like that. And I think that's part of the the growing pains, I suppose, of this team kind of, uh, what did Maurice call it? Like a significant philosophical change. And that was on the power play. But I think overall, this team has, you know, changed a lot of the way that they play. You know, they, they can play that more aggressive style and they're doing it. But I think part of it is, you know, it, I, it, they're still learning that, I believe. So, yeah, well, really I, I'll just tell you this. I mean, if, if, <clears throat> if the PK didn't play the way they did last night and, uh, for instance, say a couple of those got in and instead of yeah. it being a one nothing game going into the third period, it's 2-1 the other way, um, we'd be breathing fire about some of the, 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 the decision-making of the things that led to the penalties. Yeah. But good thing is it didn't cost them last night. Uh, much like the Bombers turnovers last Sunday in a game that they won, let that be a cautionary tale. Let them be better the next time out, and that time out is tonight, and of course with Eric Comrie uh, making the start. Scotty, thanks so much for doing this. Looking forward to the game. Looking forward to all of your coverage on Twitter, at Scott Billick, and of course in the Winnipeg Sun. Enjoy the game tonight. Travel safely and enjoy the great cup on Sunday. We'll catch up next week. Yeah, we'll do, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Us. Right on. There he is, Scott Billick, joining us from the road. Jets and Canucks tonight. One final game in the Pacific time zone, 9 p.m. this evening. And you can catch that one on, uh, I believe, a TSN game. All right. Let's get Remus back in here. It is, uh, it is the final 15 of today's program. 
We've got a special marble race. Uh, of course, our good friends at Canadian Club have the co-branded hoodie, which we'll give out to first place. We've got the I Love Rye package with uh, including some delicious Canadian Club. Shout out to Manny Fran, by the way. Manny won last week or the week before. Hooked up with Manny earlier this week. Was all fired up to get his hands on that. And uh, a special third prize because today we're thanking you. Well, we're thanking you guys every day. Uh, but for helping us get to 6,000 subs. If you haven't subbed already, be part of the next 1,000. Hit that red subscribe button. And you do have to be subscribed to win. So uh, you don't want to make yourself ineligible by not being a subscriber. It's free to do. And by the way, turn on the uh, notifications as well when we do go on occasionally outside of our regular hours of 1 to 3 Central. Uh, and then third package, third prize, WST Canadian Club t-shirt, as well as uh, the most limited of limited editions, the dad hat. I think there's only a couple of these that were not snapped up at Royal Sports or on the site. Uh, so we've got that. And we do have a DQ cake for a, a mystery number of finishers. We'll tell you about that coming up a little later on. So, uh, Remo, uh, if we can, let's open up the, uh, if you haven't already, let's open up the uh, the marbles. People can put in exclamation mark marbles in the chat. We will collect everyone that's entered, and uh, I'll do the cool bet lines, but uh, and then we'll get ready for it. Uh, we good to go? I see a lot of marbles in the chat. I assume you've opened it up already. Yes, the marble race is open. Exclamation marbles in the chat. People are getting very excited. I did it, and I got to say, Hus, I actually when I so I actually was muted the last time I was on, and where I <laughs> joked, where I joked, where I joked about being muted, but here. Did you break the mute light? Um, I just Maybe don't we think should I make that on. the mute light. So when it's muted, it's literally like spinning around in your face, and that would yeah. make it highly le less likely that uh, we would actually miss it again. You know what? It, it's on and it's working. I just don't look at it, I guess. But it was yeah, definitely you know on. I think we get, need to get your dad to jimmy up the, the mute light to that. To so be way bigger, you, yeah. If you're muted, it's just literally the goal light running around in your head, and that might uh, that might actually be a neat little uh, hack that we could make happen. Mm. But uh, anyways, exclamation mark marbles. Get in there, folks. We'll give you another couple minutes to get in. If you're new here, we do this on Friday afternoon. We've got some great prizes from our friends at Canadian Club, the Nick and Nicky DQ, and, of course, uh, right here, us at Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've got a little final little bit of the swag, which we'll get out to for our winners today. Uh, but let's do one final look at the Grey Cup lines uh, over at Cool Bet Canada. The Bombers are holding steady as three-point favorites in the game. But what is really significant, the point spread hasn't changed very much all week, but a huge drop in the money line number since yesterday. Yesterday, if you wanted to bet the Bombers, even when the line went from three and a half to three, it was very strange. Bombers open at minus 200. And just if you follow along, uh, if you're not familiar with it, a minus 200 line means you're a relatively heavy favorite and you'd have to bet $200 to win 100. So your $200 bet would pay you back 300. It went down to minus 185. Then it was 189. Right now, this is by far the best time to get into the Bombers if you just simply want to bet them to win. Coolbet has them at minus 156 favorites. So if you bet $156, you'd win 100 on that. It would return 256. And that not number on the Ticats, which was plus 160 earlier in the week, 
is now down to plus 127. Uh, there's some other interesting props right now. The total for the game is 44. Uh, so over or under 44. Lay in mine is 10. We've got the uh, some interesting one. Is it even money bet on the coin toss? If you uh, are uh, that guy that would love to have a little action on the coin toss, they're not even taking any juice on it. It's just plus 100 on either side. Uh, so if you bet 10 bucks, you'll win 10 bucks on it. Vice versa. Very simple heads, tails. Dusty, you're going to get into some of these on the lock shop today. But the one bet that I really do like is a prop bet. Will there be a fumble recovered by the opposing team? Yes is plus 100, even money. Uh, no is minus 125. I really like yes. I mean, I just think the Bomber defense alone, I might actually wager on them. Uh, you get the other side of it too. So that's one of uh, some Arkell's bets on the uh, halftime show, the length of the national anthem. Will there be a rouge in the game? <laughs> that's a good yes one. Yes or no, minus 115. And uh, here's a wild one. Will the score be the same as the 19 Grey Cup when Winnipeg won 33, Hamilton 12? That is a yes at uh, plus 10,000. So, um, yeah, basically 100 times your money if uh, if that happens. Not sure whether that's realistic, but uh, maybe worth a fin on it. Certainly would be a great bet to uh, bet to cash. Uh, they've got some TD scores, anytime touchdown score. Andrew Harris is the favorite at minus 133. Kenny Lawler's even money. Nick Dembski's plus 110. Rashid Bailey plus 125. Look at it. Darvin Adams plus 230. Might be some value there. And Zach Caleros to rush one in plus 450. So it's all there at Cool Bet. Again, check the lock shop later on for more on the Grey Cup and our um, our Friday NFL picks for the weekend. And if you've never used CoolBet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit up to $200 on your first deposit. All right, Remo, I think we've given everyone plenty of time to get mm -hmm. into the marble race. So if you would like, wrap it up. Finish it up and let's get ready to uh, celebrate 6,000 in WST style with a marble race with some great prizes for our friends here let's, in the YouTube chat. Let's go. I was looking to see if uh, Sean McGuire was listed for any time touchdown score, but I guess you couldn't make the odds. Like he would be below Andrew Harris. I'm Minus sure. 500. My, yeah, it would be. Yeah, they're not worth it. Not really. What, I'm disappointed not to see no Drew Walatarski. Uh, I took him last week on DraftKings, and he almost had a touchdown, except he fumbled it on the goal line. But they seem to give him his one target uh, a game around there. So that would be that would be interesting. And I did see. I got a comment. I did see people saying, you know, last last week the Bombers fumbles were all because of the weather. I'm like. I'm like, you think? Uh, I wouldn't take anything that we watched last week into consideration at all. Those were the most inhumane playing conditions I've ever seen. So <laughs> I think the Bombers will are, are happy to be playing in what looks like it will be above zero. But uh, here, I'll close yeah, the marble race. I think, yeah, close the marble race. I think it's going to be six, uh, six above and uh, mostly sunny. So a very different story than what we saw mm -hmm. last week in Winnipeg. All that being said, I know no one would change a thing. My feet might change a thing because it did take two days to they did take two days to thaw out. Uh, but anyone that was at that game will have that incredible memory of how we all toughed it out behind the blue bombers and uh, left with smiles on our faces despite being walking ice boxes. Um, beautiful. What? Uh, how, how many people we got in for today's marble race? 152. This might be the record, actually. 152. Beautiful. I think everybody. One, yeah, I think 151 might be the record. All right, so, so we could, while and you we, get that in and pick a good course for this one, Remo, 
Um, just to uh, clarify, everyone, we've got the Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. I'm, in fact, wearing one of these right now. You can see with the cool patch. Canadian Club, official sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think we've got all the sizes left for the most part. We might not have any more double X's, but oh, um, I anyways. Have, I have one. Shout out to uh, Jet Oil, Oil Tom. If we Oh, that's if we, right. That's right. We did the reversal. So uh, we anyways, one. we should have your size. Uh, and then second prize is the I Love Rye package, which, uh, and I might even throw in a t-shirt too for the I Love Rye package. What the heck? So a bottle of CC, one of our WST t-shirts, and uh, I think I've got some bomber socks, which we'll throw in there as well. And then the WST package, which is the dad hat limited. I, I'm not even sure if we have any left. This could be the last one, but what better what better time to give it out as well as one of the uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk t-shirts that we did up with our friends at Canadian Club. And then we have a DQ Grey Cup cake. I believe it's a DQ cake, uh, Grey Cup um, themed. And I believe we're going to have to pick this one up over at uh, DQ St. Anne's. Uh, but I will confirm all that. And uh, our benefactor has said, we're going to give that one to Marble 108. And I'll say this as a caveat. If for some reason there's so many eliminations that 108 marbles don't actually finish the race, we'll give it to the final marble that crosses the finish line. So to recap, hoodie for first place, rye package and a t-shirt for second, WST hat and Winnipeg Sports Talk t-shirt for third place, and marble number 108 across the line, a gray cup, a DQ cake for sure, and I think it will be a gray cup themed, so uh, don't hold me to it. All right, Remo, how are we looking? Are we ready to roll? We're looking pretty good, and shout out to everyone wondering what the hoodie, shout out to Candace in chat who won it last week. She says the hoodie is comfy AF. Beautiful, I don't know what beautiful a AF means, but sounds, oh, by sounds the good. way, uh, you know what? Shout out to Candace because Candace did come by, and I apologize, I didn't see her message, so she actually had to come by twice. That's the first time I've usually been very good with that. Uh, but Candace came with a bit of a Winnipeg, and not just a Winnipeg sports talk legend, a legend amongst our uh, new online community of sports shows, the one, the only Tristan Rivers Music, who is always here, a great supporter of ours, and the artist who has put together the music, the wacky music on the Kenny and Rennie show. And uh, you know, now that I think about it, you know, I sort of got gypped. I was on Kenny and Rennie last night and Kenny didn't even play his own music. That was, uh, it was, listen, the hockey talk was great. It was a lot of fun. But I mean, Kenny and Rennie just isn't the same without uh, Tristan's jam. So anyways, Candace, appreciate you, Tristan, you as well, and everyone with us here in the chat. All right, Commissioner. CTO. It's Friday afternoon. Are the marbles in? Let's get this going for uh, maybe our biggest one yet. Yeah, I got a race here. Um, hold on, let me bring it up. I forget what I call this one. Express Delivery. Express Ooh. Delivery is the name. I will pull it up one second. I'm just sorting all of this out. We've got a lot going on here on a Friday. A lot of people excited for the marble race, aren't they, Hustler? Absolutely, absolutely. I get more. I get excited for the marble race, um, just because it's fun to give away, and it's great to see everyone here. All right. So to recap, uh, six thousand subs on YouTube. Can't believe we got it done before the Grey Cup. Thank you to everyone that's with us daily here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're new, tell a friend. 
Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and put in a nice little blurb that you enjoy the program. That certainly helps. And whatever you do, make sure you've hit the thumbs up on the YouTube for everyone that's with us right now. we got to get to 200 likes for this one. Um, oh, and by the way, the cake, the DQ cake, we're going to have this one picked up at St. Anne's because it is already made because it's a special gray cupcake. And if you look at DQ Manitoba, uh, their IG story, it's up there as well, so you can see what it's like. And, of course, uh, you know, and if you're not a winner, why don't you send them a message and get them to make one for you. You can get it at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. All right, so a great cup edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk, a big game on Sunday, but first it's Friday, and that means a special marble race on WST. Shout out to everyone that entered. Thanks for joining us. This is the way we finish off the week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remus, let's do this. All right, we've dropped the marbles. This is express delivery. I don't know what is going on here, but they are all coming out onto this. Wow, it's uh, like a bit of a, a bit of a spider mode where they're going all over the place. We'll see what's going on. Ooh, this is Andre. The bullets in there. Val George Comet. We've Look got, at all uh, go. Gerald is in there right now. Had a tough time looking at it. The Gerald Naku. Gerald's uh, uh, Chris Thiessen, Benjamin Gann is in the mix right now, but it is packed. I mean, there is not a lot of separation. Steve right now in front. Gerald, Gerald, Steve, and Benjamin seemingly going head to head. All right, here we are. We've got some more obstacles coming up, although maybe there'll be an express delivery oh. with somebody getting shot yeah, this all the way oh. to the front. Okay, here oh. we are. This is what's happening right now. We'll see. There's also, oh, we've got our first elimination. Miller time looking good. Miller time 1980, a former winner of the Marvel race looking good. And oh, look at this. The wind dog. Mike Wynn in the mix. Mike oh. is in second right now. Oh, wait. Someone, is, someone teleported wait to the end. Wait the a teleporter. second. Teleporter. Holy smokes. Here we go. We have a winner. T -t 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 Bone. Nicole J in second. And who is third? DJ Cool. DJ Cool. Well, I guess now we know they call it Express Delivery. Um, all right. Well, congratulations to all of you. TTTTTT Bone, DJ Cool, and Nicole, if you could all send us an email to Winnipeg Sports Talk at gmail.com. We'll uh, hit you back, get your size. Hopefully, we've got it for you and arrange a time to pick it up. Now, uh, Everybody else showing up down in the uh, chat. We do have the Grey Cup DQ cake for marble number 108. Now, we really are not going to know who wins it until the final marble is across the finish line. Uh, but they're coming hot and heavy in right now on the express delivery. And you know what, Remo? This must be the one. I can't remember whether it was Jet Oil Tom or there was one race that we had a long time ago where we were watching all the marbles and then realized someone came in. I think this one must have been it with the uh, with the teleporting spot. But anyways, TTT Bone, nice work. First place, you got the hoodie. Nicole J, we've got the I Love Rye package for you just in time for Christmas. And DJ Cool, in seven, we have the uh, WST package for you. Remo, go down and let me know who yeah. uh, who is number 108. Yeah, I'm sorry. I screwed up. I didn't. I should have picked one that we've done before. These um these teleport ones, not not the best, but a bit of an anticlimactic. But it shows the T T T T T Bone. 
for for winning. I like how you said that one. I'll scroll down to 108. We do have a 108 finisher. Grey Cup Cake for number 108. Who is it going to be? It is Derek Schmidt. Derek Schmidt. Okay, so Derek Schmidt. The hoodie was TTTTTT bone. <laughs> the rye package was again Nicole J, I believe. Nicole J got second. Yeah, Nicole, Nicole J. Nicole J, congratulations. And DJ Cool Seven got the WST package, dad hat, and t shirt. Uh, Wow, it was a little anticlimactic. We need to make better notes on what the best uh, the best marble uh, tracks yeah. are. Uh, but that being said, we were sort of up against it. Maybe it was a good thing uh, because we're going to be able to get this podcast out. A lot of people looking forward to it. Um, don't forget, everyone, if you're just popping in or you're looking to uh, kind of crunch a whole ton of bomber content over the weekend... We're going to put together a, a super cut, if you will, of all of our Grey Cup or most of our Grey Cup material. And we'll have that debut on the YouTube channel right after the Illegal Curve guys finish up at 11, or 11 tomorrow morning. So uh, check the IC guys out tonight after the game. Check Kenny and Rennie out after the game. Check IC tomorrow morning at 9. And then when they finish up at 11, we'll have this live and you can uh, watch it and enjoy it to your heart's content. Uh, well, anytime really, but presumably you'll want to watch it sometime before 5 PM. Um, congratulations again to our winners. Thanks again to all of our guests. Very busy show. Eddie Tate from bomber practice in Hamilton, Dustin Nielsen getting ready to do his radio call in Hamilton, Farhan Lalji in Hamilton, and of course, Scott Billick covering the Winnipeg Jets in Vancouver. Uh, it's going to be a great, great weekend. Again, if you want to go to the official Bomber Watch Party, it's over at Boston Pizza Polo Park. Give them a call for a, a reservation for a table. Bomber cheerleaders will be there, some Blue Bomber alumni, Buzz and Boomer. Should be a really good time. And wherever you're watching the Grey Cup, I hope you have a great time. Make it a real fun and safe weekend. And Fingers crossed we'll be back here on Monday talking about a potential parade and uh, most importantly, a blue bomber win on Sunday. Uh, Remo, what a week it's been. So much fun. Uh, you know, we came off the high of the West final, which was a blast. And I think we we're officially warmed up now. I'm finally, finally thawed. It and, took a uh, while. We had, uh, sorry, I was going to say we had the great Jets win on Tuesday, but no, we didn't have that. We had the Jets win yesterday, the trip to Seattle, and just a great week of uh, talking about Canadian football and um, and looking forward to uh, the Bombers hopefully repeating. And I'd love to have, I'm just getting giddy thinking about the possibility of a parade for this year. I didn't get to go last year, but um, this one we will be at. Oh, we will be at. We'll have some special Winnipeg Sports Talk coverage of any sort of celebrations. But before we talk about that, there's a football game that needs to be won. I love the Bombers. You know what? I'm sticking with my prediction from when we talked to Clint earlier this week. Bombers 29, Ticats 18. Bombers win, Bombers cover, and we hit the over, and everyone lives happily ever after Remo can we get an official prediction on the uh, on the record for you before we wrap it up yeah same score as 2019 I'm betting that right now what is that 30 33 <laughs> 12 no I think Bombers uh 28 Ty Cats mm, 13 
I like it. I like it. 28-13. So Remus has the under right now, but that's that still a nice win for the Bomber. Yeah. Well, 43 and a half, 44. Yeah. I don't 23 think plus 18 yeah. is by my calculations 41. 41. Okay, so then I guess I'm technically under. And then Chris Rumet says, if there's a parade on Tuesday, will there be a show? We'll have to, you know, we'll, we're yes. taking it day by day. We'll do a show, but I guess the timing will might be different. So make sure you hit the notification button. Do that. Perfect segue. Yes. Perfect segue. You see the bell, folks, the YouTubers out there? Yes. Hit the bell, uh, especially next week. If there is some additional content or some things we're doing outside of our normal one to three, we'll have it for you. But the beauty of YouTube and the podcast, if you miss it, you can uh, rewind 10 minutes. You can check it out two hours later. It'll all be there for you. But uh, mm -hmm. yeah, unlike the last time when we were basically chained to a desk on Pemina Highway, that's not the case this mm -hmm. year. Winnipeg Sports Talk will be wherever the Blue Bombers are coming back from uh, from the game uh, if it ends the way we all hope it will be, and that's with another Grey Cup championship. It's going to be an awesome weekend. Thanks so much for the support, everyone. 6,000 subs. Could not have done it without you. Tell a friend on our way to 7K from here and hopefully on our way to an amazing weekend. Looking forward to the hockey game tonight and, of course, the game on Sunday and another great week of shows next week. And we can't do it without our sponsors. If you have the opportunity to support them, please do. Let them know you heard about them from Winnipeg Sports Talk. The Nick and Nicky DQ Group. Little Brown Jug, perfect for Grey Cup Sunday. Of course, our friends at Boston Pizza, big bomber parties at all the BPs on the weekend, but BP Polo Park is where it's happening. Princess Auto, another bomber sponsor. Canadian Club, the official whiskey of the bombers. Our friends at Cool Bet Canada, where we will be hopefully cashing winning bets on the bombers. Uh, not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, where you can get all your bomber gear before the game on the weekend. Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, and uh, the guys that'll get you looking fine. F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. Folks, have an awesome weekend. And uh, to finish it off, all I got to say is go blue. See you Monday. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.